Danielle McCartney. Good morning, New York sports fans and Yankee fans. On this early Friday morning here in New York City, it's Friday, Friday. I'm Danielle McCartan, McCartan after midnight, talking all things New York sports with you and up until the Boomer and Geo show here on this August 27, 2021. I've got Kevin Hall, Kevin Wall, <laughs> Kevin Hall, Kevin Wall, he's working hard tonight. That's what I meant to say. He's working hard tonight, uh, running between two studios. He's on the ones and twos, manning the phones. And steering the ship tonight. And we are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio here in Lower Manhattan. You guys know the number, 877-337-6666. And let's load them up with your best content only, everybody. It's an exciting night for baseball, uh, for Yankees fans, that is, here in New York. Um, But, you know, before we get to that, and you know this is a complete stick-to-sports show, I'm diligent in keeping it that way, and that's the way it's going to remain. But with that said... Uh, just everybody, please keep in your prayers the families and friends of the 13 U.S. military service heroes killed in the chaos Thursday in Afghanistan. And uh, it comes just five days before they were expected to return home. So just let us all pray that the rest of our brave men and women make it home safely. Thank you for those couple of seconds to address that. And the fact is, we're all Americans. So just some things to keep in mind as we quibble over our New York sports teams here and up and through 6 a.m. this morning. Now, as we transition as best we can to our New York sports, I ask a question of all of you guys listening right now. Will the New York Yankees ever lose a game again? All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay down. Yankees. I know I played this for the other night, but it's it, they have extended their winning streak to 12 consecutive games, and all they do is win, win, win. The last time that the Yankees had won 12 in, in a row was is in the year 1961. 1961. Forget about me. My parents were just born. Again, the team record is 19 straight. I know fans have that number in their sights, but really. Will this team ever lose again? 538, one of my favorite websites, had the Yankees at an only 52% chance to win this game Thursday night and, and just about half an hour ago. A 52% chance to win against an opponent in the Oakland Athletics that entered on a four-game losing streak, having lost eight of their last ten games. Boy, that website was wrong. Some of my observations from Thursday night's game as I sat here in the studio watching, I have four. First, Jamison Tyone was great until he wasn't. He needed only 17 pitches to get through the first and second innings combined. And then to get through the third and fourth, he needed, oh, well, there's that, that number again, 61. On the radio broadcast, Susan Wallman called it before it happened. As I was backing out of my driveway, she said, he's losing it. He doesn't look as sharp as he did. That inning, the bottom of the fourth, the Athletics batted around, scoring three runs. And Tyone didn't last much longer. Boone said he was watching on TV like the rest of us. More on that on a second. And he commented, I thought his curveball was good. And in that inning, I thought the A's did a good job of putting together some really competitive at-bats. After the game, Tyone said, I think the theme of the night is that I have to do better with two strikes. So that's something to watch. Especially, I'm going to be watching that the next time he takes them out. 
but important. He said he doesn't think he needs to reinvent himself in, in a bullpen session. And he said, I think it's just kind of one of those nights. Well, the Yankees packed the ammo. Giancarlo Stanton, Brett Gardner, and Joey Gallo went yard off Caparellian. All by the second inning, by the way. And that 6 to nothing score held up just as well as an ice cube on a 100-degree day. The A's brought their own firepower in the form of solo home runs from all three of their own. Matt Chapman, Sean Murphy, and, and Josh Harrison. This game, which looked like it was going to be over early, became even, tied 6-6, headed into the ninth. And the Yankees have now played 71 games, decided by one or two runs. They're tied with the Mets for most in baseball, according to the S Network broadcast. As crazy as that sounds. In those situations, though, the Yankees have a league-best record now, 47-23. and 23. This also speaks to the newfound resiliency of this team. Aaron Boone lost his mind after a pitch to Gallo was called for strike three. On the replay, let's go to the videotape. It wasn't strike three. And then Giancarlo Stanton promptly unloads a monster 436-foot home run to dead center with an emphatic bat slip. Bat flip. There was a point, though. When it looked as though the Yankees were going to revert back to the Yankees of old, it, there was a potential turning point in the game. Gio Urshela came to the plate in the seventh inning with the bases loaded, ready to play the role of hero. And he grounded out to third base. It was only the fourth pitch of his at-bat. And in my notes, I indicated Romo was pumped, so is the crowd. The A's might come out with a big inning with the momentum right now. And then... Jonathan Lewisaga did a hypothetical finger wag at the Oakland batters and absolutely shut them down in the 7th and 8th innings. Not today. The third observation I had, in that ninth inning, the Yankees weaponized the stolen base. That was the single offensive metric that is vastly different from the first half of the season to the second half of the season for this team. It's the stolen base. You had Tyler Wade pinch running for Anthony Rizzo that inning. And after many throws over to first base and many boos, Tyler Wade picked a good pitch to run on. Sean Murphy overthrew second base, and Tyler Wade found himself standing on third. Aaron Boone said after the game, Wader coming in for that moment of being ready for that moment. Well, that, this is me now. I'm saying this. The role players have bought in. And a team that needs those kind of guys to buy in in order to make a real run. And there are no issues with any of the role players on the Yankees, it seems. With Wader on third, instead of trying to launch a ball to the moon, Aaron Judge stayed within himself and sawed off a 92-mile-an-hour cutter to shallow right field. That, ultimately, was the difference in the game. And to me, that shows and is a microcosm of a maturation of the Yankees hitters' approach at the plate. And then the fourth observation I made. A roll this Chapman in the bottom of the ninth inning. The newest season of American Horror Story. Stuff nightmares are made of recently. I wrote in my notes, oh boy, buckle up. Aaron Boone said after the game, there's never any panic in these guys. I'm not sure I totally believe him. Uh, so the other night we were talking about the confidence that Chapman has lost in his fastball. Even dating back to when two weeks ago or even three when I talked with Matt Blake about it. The lost confidence in the fastball translates for Chapman into a tumultuous outing, sending Yankee fans always to the cabinet for some thumbs. Chapman uses the fastball at a 65% clip this season. 
but not over the last three games entering this one. In those games, it was down to 51%. So the non-confidence we talked about here, there are numbers to back it up. But Yankees fans, no thumbs needed early this morning. I paid close attention to Chapman's pitch, pitch selection. Every single pitch that he threw to Andrews, Kana, and Marte was a four-seam fastball except for the splitter that embarrassed Kana for strike three. Yes, three fastballs to Andrews, the last of which ended in Brett Gardner's glove, three fastballs to Kana, one to Marte, which was the infield single, and one to Olsen, which ended the game. You guys heard and saw that Chapman notched his 300th save of his career. A nice round number that should provide a confidence boost as well. Ultimately, it's a good thing that he was trusted in a very tight spot against a postseason contending team. Chapman, when the last out was recorded, if you saw it, if you caught it on TV, he put his glove over his mouth and he looked at the sky as if to say, thank you. Phew. Different than the stare down, isn't it? And Chapman, through an interpreter, explained that they had talked about adjustments coming off his last outing. And they seemed to work. With the win, the Yankees are now a crazy 23 games over 500, And they, for now, gamed a half a game on the Rays for first place in the AL East. They're four games back right now. They're also continuing to bury the A's in the wild card standings. Talk about six feet of separation. They're putting them six feet deep. That's a line from Seeing Green by it's a Lil Wayne. I can't take credit for that. Tyone, he said after the game, all that matters right now is winning. Gallo added something that he told me on the field two weeks ago. Probably, I think it's word for word, he said it tonight. Every game, we feel like we're going to win. And although they're both in the postseason picture, the two teams, the Yankees and the Athletics, are trending in different directions. The A's, like the Mets, might not be the real deal. Do you know what is a good indication of that? The A's are 28-41 and 41 against teams that are over 500. The Mets almost have the exact same record. So when everyone, and I'm talking about against teams that are over 500. So when everyone talks about the Mets fading fast, the A's are fading just as fast. The Yankees are the most dominant team in baseball right now, it is safe to say. The question inevitably is, are they peaking too early? To that, my answer is N-O, no. I'd argue that it's actually just coming together, actually, with the return of some key starters and with the way in which that they're winning these games. It seems as though it's someone different's night to shine each and every time. Yeah, Mets fans, I think it's time to check yourselves into the Heartbreak Hotel. So lonely were the runners left on base in this Mets-Giants series. A total of 25. Unacceptable, really. 538 gave the Mets a 50% chance to win on Thursday night's game. And really, they could have. Except for the fact that Aaron Loop channeled Houdini to get out of the bases loaded, no out, jam in the top of the ninth, having given up only one run, the go-ahead run. Jeff McNeil in the bottom of the same inning choked with the bases loaded. We talk about how physical mistakes unfortunately happen, and they are part of the game. Well, again, the Mets had some serious mental 
lapses. You can't have mental lapses and still expect to win the game. Wednesday night, Javi Baez was trucking around the bases, everybody, only to find out when he was thrown out that there weren't two outs. Huh? The runner Thursday night almost beat Pete Alonso to the bag after he and Carrasco couldn't figure out who was going to cover the base. Alonso should have definitely taken himself, but didn't. The runner was still out, but that was a close call. The game, I think, uh, the Met game that is, played true to form and followed the so-called script. And I'll tell you what I mean. One, Carlos Carrasco's first inning ERA is over 14. The only two runs he allowed came in the first inning on that Chris Bryant home run. Bryant again reminded everyone, yet again, how he was supposed to be playing his home games at City Field instead of Oracle Park. In fact, he has hit six home runs since becoming a Giant. Four of them have come against the New York Mets. The Giants, the second thing, the Giants are now 59-13 in 13 when scoring first. With that home run, yep, check. They did it. And the third thing, the Mets left nine runners on base, four of which when they were two outs. And they were one for five with runners in scoring position. Hold on, let me check the Mets script. Yep, check. The Mets are now a season-worst five games under 500. But there was one good thing, I guess. Brandon Nemo, who many of you know, Everybody that was calling up here wanted to ship him out in this offseason. Well, he continues to cement his staying power in the Mets outfield, extending his hitting streak to eight games, finishing the night three three for five. Listen, everyone knew that, and we talked about how the Mets just concluded the tough part of any MLB team schedule at the moment. I mean, think about it. They finished that stretch off of 13 games against the Dodgers and the Giants 2-11. and Everyone understands what they were up against. The teams with the two highest winning percentages in all baseball. But only two wins against them, especially in the situations that the Mets had them in at times, it's completely unacceptable. But it's not like, like I said, they didn't have their chances. Wednesday night, they had the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth. They couldn't get it done. Thursday night, they had the bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth, and they couldn't get it done. For a team that sat atop the NL East for 86 consecutive games, have they been tricking everyone all along? The Mets had a bad April, but a great May. Average together, that win percentage was 552. The Mets were exactly a 500 team in June, and the Mets were a 519 team in July. The most games that team ever was over 500 was 10. And somehow, miraculously, through all of that, they remain in first place because they play in a weak division. Ultimately, that was exposed. Against teams that have a current record of 500 or greater, yeah, we said it before, the Mets, they're only 33 and 40. I may be wrong, but once you get to the postseason, those teams tend to be pretty good and much better than those 500 teams that they can't seem to beat consistently. The Mets can't seem to beat any good teams. So yeah, with all that said, I think the Mets fans were duped this season into believing that their team was something that they clearly are not. Now, can the Mets turn it around and become a postseason team? Well, they absolutely have to beat the Nationals and the Marlins in these next 14 games. And I'm not talking beat, I'm talking sweep. Do they have it in them? Well, they're expected to, based on the current standings, 
Remember, you're supposed to win games against the teams that you're supposed to beat. And the Mets are above both of those teams in the standings. The problem is, Mets only have a 545 winning percentage against the fourth place Washington Nationals and 333 winning percentage against the fifth place Miami Marlins. They also rank at or near the bottom in 12 offensive metrics from hits to home runs to slugging percentage and total bases. For a team with the lowest win percentage in the NLEs for the month of August, they're hoping that September brings them some better luck. And maybe they'll get it. Noah Syndergaard threw a promising inning in Brooklyn with the Cyclones Thursday night. More on that in a bit. And Jacob deGrom's MRI gave him the green light to resume a throwing program and ramp up. Will the league's best pitcher take the mound again this season? Should he? The answer is yes to both. The million-dollar question is, will it be too late to salvage this season? Let's get it going. I have set the table for you guys. I can't wait to talk with you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. After midnight on The Fan in New York City. New York Sports is on The Fan. 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan. Kevin Walls behind the glass. You know it's going to be Bon Jovi to come back from the first break here. So you guys, one of the benefits of this shift and the, and, and the Yankees playing on the West Coast is that we can have a live guest on the hotline right now. Is host and field reporter for the Yes Network. You saw him on the broadcast tonight. A great friend of the show, Chris Sheeran. Welcome, Chris. D-Mac, it's good to be on. Well, you are on your way home from the stadium, correct? I am driving home right now, my friend. And I, you know, if, if I was uh, playing right now, I would make the Cars for Kids song my walk-up song. Oh, my just, God. Just putting that out there. Not me. I can't hear that song any more times. No, I'm just kidding. They're a nice sponsor. <laughs> All right, Chris, I, I got to ask you the question I asked in the open. Is this team peaking too soon? I don't think it is. I don't think there's any such thing as that, really, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and this team, look at where it was, Danielle, on July 4th, on Independence Day, on Mr. Steinbrenner's birthday. They were in danger in that uh, doubleheader, the night game against the Mets, from going under 500. And now they're 34-11 and 11 in their last 45 games. It's an amazing run that this team has gone on. Uh, I host the podcast with Jeff Nelson, a four-time Yankee World Series champion. Mm -hmm. And I actually posed it to him off the air. I said, you know, Nelly, this team kind of has that 96 feeling to it just a little bit. Now, this guy played on that 96 team, and he agreed with me. So this team has something special going. I don't think they're peaking too soon. I think Chapman still has to get right. I think he took a step forward tonight. He talked about how Mike Harkey uh, was working on him and, uh, with, with him and Matt Blake on some adjustments, and those adjustments worked. Uh, he, he threw his fastball more tonight. So if Chapman could right the ship, you got Johnny Loisica, who could play a big-time role in the back end of the bullpen in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just... 
this team needed this. They needed the trade deadline, D-Mac. They needed Gallo. They needed Rizzo. Uh, the lineup is now balanced. Uh, Gallo just talked about tonight about how he looks around him on the lineup card, and he just see and he sees all the mashers around him. He can't believe the lineup that he's in right now. Uh, this team needed this run, obviously. And think about this for a second, D-Mac. Even with this run, this ridiculous run where they're 34 and 11 in their last 45, the Rays still have a four-game lead on the Yankees, which means they're still playing ridiculous baseball yeah. as well. Yeah. Did um did Nelson elaborate why he feels like they're like the '96 team? He said after the trade deadline, when Gallo and Rizzo came, it felt like to him. Now, look, none of us have been in the clubhouse for the past two years. We know this. But Nelly said what he sees on TV, in the dugout, the camaraderie. He said that's what that 96 team had. It was 25 guys who loved coming to the park every day, just like his 2001 Seattle team. That didn't win the World Series, of course. The Yankees bounced them in 2001. They had the best record in Major League Baseball with 116 wins, and the Yankees dispatched them in the playoffs. But he said what he sees on the television, what he sees in the dugout, he was down. He does the Marlins games uh, down there in Florida, so he was actually down there for the Marlins-Yankees series. And what, what he saw, and that was right after the deadline, what he saw, it was, it was a difference in the dugout. He, he, it was a different feel for the team. And, you know, I was talking to Michael K too, on the podcast with Nelly just recently, and Michael agreed with me. A lot of people want to point to the trading deadline. This all started with Nestor Cortez and his start in that second game of the doubleheader against the Mets on July 4th. We've got Chris Sheeran from the Yes Network live with us here on the fan on his way home from the stadium. Chris, what's it like to be in a, in a pitch black Yankee stadium? It looked creepy on the broadcast. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's so weird to be 3,000 miles away from where the action actually is. And there's only a couple lights on around the concourse and in the press box. Everything else, the field is pitch black. You can't see anything out there. You know, I got to tell you, DMX, a couple times, you know, the Field of Dreams game just happened. That that was a big movie for my father, my late father and myself. And I was kind of willing the scoreboard to show me something. It never happened. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of an eerie feeling being there and, being in a pitch black stadium with nothing going on and you're actually doing a game. So know, yeah. it's kind of weird. It, it's kind of weird, but at the same time, believe it or not, it's kind of cool. The midseason turnaround, we talked about a little bit. I, I have a multiple choice here for you, Chris. Which move sure. was more impactful on the turnaround? A, John Carlos Stanton playing in the outfield on a regular basis. B, the hustle guys like Velasquez and, and Allen. Or C, Rizzo and Gallo arriving in the Bronx? Uh, B, all of the above. No, that wasn't a choice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if I have to, if you're going to force me to pick one of those, um, I'm going to say Stanton in the outfield. Yes, me too. Because that, that actually helps the lineup. Yep. You know, you get Boyd in. Uh, with Rizzo, with Gallo. So the lineup is balanced. 
and you have basically Mount Crushmore <laughs> in the middle of the lineup with Boyd, Stanton, Judge, Gallo. You could throw in Rizzo to that mix as well. It, it's just an unbelievable mix of mashers in this Yankee lineup. And you saw what they did to James Caprillion tonight, and you've seen what they've done to, pitch, to starting pitchers and pitchers in general over this 12-game winning streak. This is another parallel to that 96 team. They wore pitchers out, and so is this team. But it wasn't the case until the trade was made and that lineup got balanced and you got guys like Gallo. Like his two first at-bats tonight, Mac, he saw 15 pitches. 15. And he should have walked in his first right. at-bat, let's right. be honest. Right. And and Aaron, and Aaron Boone got run for that, and we asked Gallo and, and and Judge that question, and they both were very very appreciative of their manager sticking up for him. And Gallo even pointed out that you know, he said Booney isn't even he doesn't have a good angle. He's trusting me that that wasn't a strike, and he went out there and he got run. So these guys have a lot of respect for Aaron Boone. I know he he and Brian Cashman were on the hot seat when this team was at 582 games into the season. And, you know, Cashman made some baller moves at the deadline. I mean, think about this for a second, D-Mac. He got Rizzo and Gallo, and he's not paying for them. (laughs) I know. The Rangers Rangers are paying for Gallo. Yep. The the Cubbies are paying for Rizzo. Yep. And, And they're helping this team big time. So... You're allowed to give Boone and Cashman the business when things weren't going right, but now you have to come correct and you have to pat them on the back for the job that they've done to get this team back to where we all thought they'd be from spring training on. Chris, Mount Crushmore. You came up with that yourself? That That's awesome. I love that. I thought about it tonight during the game, and we need we need a shot of those four guys maybe on the mound. If somebody oh could do that, for us, that would be phenomenal. Do you know? Well, Rotoware has all these T-shirts. Maybe they could make that. Oh, Chris, that's awesome. Do you know that actually um, Rizzo, Gallo, Judge, and I think Stanton. I think they all take batting practice together in the same group, actually. So maybe I can get that done that? next time I'm there. Oh, how about that? Oh, so I you love need it. to get that shot and then get it to me so I can put it out there on the Twitter machine yes. and tag Rotoware. That See, let's make this a D-Max sharing thing. We, we can make this happen. <laughs> I like it. I, I love it. Uh, so, listen, uh, we've got Urshela's back, right? Torres will be back soon. It's a good problem to have, but, you know, who are the odd men out, and how does this roster expansion kind of work? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. Um Velasquez, we all know what he brings to the table. Yep. Uh, he brought tears to Michael Kay's eyes uh, Saturday when he hit his home run. He's a Bronx kid. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, after he hit his double earlier tonight, I, I tweeted that his magic carpet ride continues. Tyler Wade has been uh, everything for this team over the past three weeks. Uh, tonight, he stole second. He took third on the overthrow by... The ace catcher, and I mean, I don't know who the odd man out is. We just talked about this on the podcast today, and the best defensive alignment, and at me all you want, but it's 
It's Velasquez. It's short. I mean, I don't want – Labor's not going to lose his job. He's not, let's be honest. But defensively, the way Velasquez is, pay, is playing out there, and even the way he's hitting, he's a switch hitter. And, and, and to me and Nelly, we discuss this all the time. You don't need a home run hitter at every position. As you said, it's a good problem to have. I don't know who the odd man out is, but fans are going to have an issue when that odd man is out. Mm. The future of this team. Do you think Anthony Rizzo is going to be back in pinstripes after this season? Uh, that's a toss-up. It's 50-50. I, if, if I had to put money on it, I would say no. Uh, I don't know how much money he's going to want in free agency. Does he make first base strong for you? Absolutely. But let's be honest, he's probably on the downside of his career, DMAC, and the Yankees need to go with something a little bit more solid over there at first base. Power-wise, you need power out of the corner, infield spots, first and third base. And uh, right now you're getting that, but who knows how long of a deal he'd want. Now, look. If he likes his time in New York and he wants to give a team-friendly deal to the Yankees, sure, because defensive run save-wise, when you have a first baseman who looks at his infielders and says, just get it near me, yeah. I'll make the play. I love that. I mean, that's, that's what you want out of your first baseman. That's what infielders need to hear. Now, look, they need to come correct, too, and they need to make good throws, but when you have that much confidence in your first baseman, it does so much for the rest of the infield. And look, let's be honest, D-Man. At first base, you've had Mattingly, <laughs> Teixeira, mm -hmm. and now Rizzo. I mean, you could throw Tino in there, too. He was a great first baseman. I can't forget Tino. But those four, I mean, Giambi was kind of dicey over there. He hit the snot out of the ball, but defensively, he wasn't really the guy you wanted over there at first base. With Rizzo, you do have that phenomenal defensive first baseman. I know this is a long run-on sentence about whether or not I think he's coming back, but I, I do think it's 50-50. It all depends on what he wants. I'm talking to Chris Sheeran from the Yes Network, live in the car, from the car phone, Chris. Um <laughs> As the Yankees make a, a late run into this postseason, you know, potentially to the World Series, um, I think I already know the answer to this, but do you agree with me in saying that the back end of the bullpen, especially the closer, is the weakness of this team? Yeah, until Chapman straightens it out, uh, Danielle, I, I just I don't see how this team can succeed. In the playoffs, if he does right the ship, I mean, tonight was a step, but you need to see that consistently. Now, he's pitched three out of the last four nights, so I don't even know if he's going to be available tomorrow. Uh, Jonathan Lewisica threw two innings tonight. Chad Green did get heated up, but he did not go into the game. Yeah, I saw that. So he's a, possibi yeah, he's a possibility for tomorrow. But it's going to be interesting to see what, what Aaron Boone does. He really, Michael Kay said it during the broadcast tonight, he really didn't like, he really doesn't like to use Chapman three out of four days, but he did it. And I, if I had to venture a guess, I, I would say it was because of the things he was working on uh, before the game with Harkey and Blake. And you have to test it out. And they did that tonight. Uh, he got 
one of the A's on a splitter. It was wicked. He only gave up the one infield hit that Wade stopped. Uh, couldn't make a play on, though. And uh, he, he worked that clean ninth inning. So, look, it's 12 straight. You focus on the now and now. You worry about the postseason later. But it's another thing that Ellie and I talk about all the time because if anybody knows anything about a bullpen, it's that guy. Hmm. And, you know, it, it, to me, a couple weeks back when Cole and Montgomery were on the COVID IL, my main concern, Danielle, was the bullpen usage. We saw a couple of bullpen games happen, and now they're going to need some length out of their starters so Aaron Boone doesn't have to have the games like tonight where Tyone couldn't get out of the fourth inning. I mean, look, he's allowed He's been lights out since July. Okay, Aaron, Jameson Tyone is allowed to have a game like tonight every once in a while. And this guy's been in the lab. He's been using the, the regular season, let's face it, to tinker with everything, to figure out how to pitch, to get completely back from his second Tommy John surgery. I mean, this guy's like the book of Job. I mean, no, think about everything he's gone through in his life. And the two Tommy Johns, and I asked Garrett Cole before the game how satisfying it's been to watch his friend, you know, figure it out during the season before, you know, this was his 25th start before the game. He was 1-4 in his first 12. He was 7-0 before tonight, and he still is 7-0 because he didn't factor into the decision tonight. But he was 7-0 coming in in those last 12 starts. ZRA was just north of two. He's allowed. You know, fans can't get too riled up about a starter season. And uh, this was definitely the ebbing for Jamison Tyone tonight. But the greatest thing about being a starting pitcher, every five days you get to go out there and do it all over again. <laughs> Chris, I got two more for you. Do the Yankees enter yeah. the, the postseason as AL East champs or as a wild card team? Uh, the way the Rays are playing, I think they have a legitimate shot. I mean, let's be honest, to win the AL East. I do. Uh, how could you not look at this team right now and the way they're playing? And they have three left with Tampa. And, look, they went through the Braves. They uh, swept the Red Sox in the doubleheader. And Andrew Heaney took seven innings. A uh, spectacular start out of Andrew Heaney to get the sweep and keep the streak going against the Red Sox. And we just learned tonight that Corey Kluber's coming back on Monday, and Heaney might be his piggyback partner on Monday in Anaheim against the Angels. Yeah, that makes so sense. I, yep. Yeah, it does. It does. And Aaron Boone said after they come back, they have that day off uh, uh, Thursday before they start uh, a series with Baltimore in the Bronx. And that's a stretch of 20 straight games. So they haven't really decided yet they're going to go – do, do a six-man rotation yet or not. But uh, as far as the playoffs go, I think as long as the Yankees stay in that top wild-card spot and they play in the Bronx in their backyard, they're going to be just fine. Uh, but I do think the division is still in play. I know I'm hedging my bets here. I, I know I'm kind of giving you the politician answer. <laughs> but I, I, I really – they're definitely going to be the top wild card, I think, the way they're playing right now. And I do still think the division is in play. And that's kind of 
unbelievable to think that the division is in play, considering where the Yankees were back on July 4th. Speaking of the postseason, you are the New York Liberty play-by-play man. I have to ask one on them before I let you go. If the season (laughs) ended today, the Liberty would be in the playoffs. They started strong. They've lost six of the last seven, as you well know. What's it going to take for them to be in or stay in a position to be that playoff team? Well, they got to beat Phoenix tomorrow. I mean, that would be a start. Uh, but listen, I just had this conversation with Kenny Singleton because he asked me tonight about the Liberty. And I think, look, they could be a playoff team this, this season. They could. Uh, that, that win against the Storm, I know Bird and uh, Stewie didn't play, but you can't shake your stick a shake-a-stick at beating the Seattle Storm with or without them. They're still a solid team. And the thing we talk about all the time, DMAC, is the fact that these teams that are in the upper echelon, their core has been together. Right. The Liberty are young. You know, the Liberty and the Dallas Wings are the youngest team in the W. So, fans, if you're listening to this and, and you follow the Liberty just pump your brakes a little bit. If they do get into the playoffs as the 6, 7, or 8 seed and they get that first-round game, that is gravy considering they won two games last year. Right. Here's, what you have to, here's what you have to think about, DMAC. They have a great GM. They have a great head coach in Walt Hopkins. He has great assistants in Dustin Gray and Shelly Patterson and uh, Jackie Jamellis. I mean, this team is set up, and they have championship-caliber players on it. And Sammy Wickham, I know she's injured with the sprained ankle. Thank goodness it's just a sprained ankle. And Natasha Howard, they just, they're a couple pieces away. They're a playoff team, I believe. They're a couple pieces away from being a championship team. Chris Sheeran, you are the man. Thanks so much for <laughs> calling us on, on the way home. Thanks for staying up late for, with us tonight, Chris. Well, Mac, I, I, I'm so proud of you. Just keep killing it. You're doing a great job, and I uh, hope we can talk again soon. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. You got it. And uh, a little surprise for you, Chris, and everybody. Um, I've only got, for now anyway, two overnight shifts left. I'm going to be Saturdays, so maybe maybe we can make this more of a regular thing. Absolutely. That sounds great. Awesome, Chris. Thanks so much. You got it, Mac. Your official station to talk Knicks, The Fan, on 101.9 FM and the Odyssey app. Start spreading the news. Everybody, the Yankees have won 12 straight, 12 in a row, something they have not done since 1961. There's a movie about that year, isn't it? Um, Listen... This shift, we don't get live guests often here, and Chris Sheeran on his way home from Yankee Stadium, the the dark and empty Yankee Stadium. Awesome guest, awesome interview, guys. Don't go right now if you missed it, if you're just tuning in now, but um, Kevin's going to podcast that out, and I'll tweet it out when I get home a little bit later. So, Chris, thank you. And uh, I know this the game went late you know did, we did the open and we went right to chris and now it's your turn everybody so give me a call 877-337-6666 and i kind of wanted to open with this which is the most impactful thing on the yankees turnaround chris and i think well here i'll give you the choices 
A, is it Stanton playing the outfield on a regular basis? B, is it the presence of these hustle guys like Velasquez and Allen? Or C, is it Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo arriving in the boogie down Bronx? Christian and I both have voted Stanton playing the outfield on a regular basis. Paul, he says, uh, Paul from uh, Long Island Air, he says Stanton being sent to the outfield. That's just, he, this is on Twitter, by the way. Stanton being sent to the outfield. That's what I'm thinking, too. It actually uplifted us and uplifted Giancarlo Stanton's game. Yep, and he basically told you that, too. By by being in the game in, in more than just, you know, a plate appearance capacity, he basically told you that it, it's making him a better player, or at least being more involved in the game. So with that, 877-337-6666 is the number. If you're like Paul and you want to tweet me as well, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I do have uh, notifications up as we speak. All right, in the order that you guys called, leading off tonight, Justin in Deer Park, you're up on the fan. Um, first of all, Daniel, let's say, with the question you asked, I got to say it's a little bit of everything. I know, but that, you can't do that. You have to pick one. I can't do Well, when I spoke to you a couple weeks ago, when I said to you something has changed, I got to say the thing that's changed is what I would say, the acquisition of um, Gallo and Rizzo. There's something with them, like I told you weeks ago. Yeah. Something sparked. If you remember that conversation I we had. Yep. And you know All what? Right. I'm going to actually, I, I just had an idea. I had a, a, a epiphany. I'm going to send a, a poll out on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N with this exact question. All right, but you wanted to talk Mets. Go ahead. Yes, I was actually looking for Paul. I was at the game today. This, what a boneheaded move, idiotic, stupendous by Rojas again pulling Carrasco after I have the line right in front of me. It's just only seven innings, three hits to only after right after the Ryan home run, he settled down. No walks and five strikeouts. Come on, man. Yes, I, I know. I'm with you, and it's like, it's it's that all over again, Justin, I know. So And I was like that, too. I was like, ah, oh, man, come on. I, I think you have to be more upset about what Lugo did in relief because when you look at Carrasco coming off the injury, blah, 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 right? And, and believe me, I am not one to say, like, okay, yank the guy. Like, I'd I, I keep him in. I'd like to keep him in. But the fact of the matter is Carrasco went seven innings, gave up three hits, only two earned runs on that Bryan home run, and he, he, most importantly, he was at 78 pitches. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but for, for Carlos Carrasco, this particular season, it was a season high for him. So I know, I get it. It's frustrating, especially because it happened two times in a row, basically, for these Mets. The, the other night, pulling the pitcher, I was t- dead set against. But I, I know it's frustrating, but I think pulling Carrasco, based on on – the work that he put in and the fact that he, he was at a season-high 78 pitches and his spot was coming up in the next inning, the, the subsequent inning, the bottom half, I mean, you can't let him bat like that if you're going to only use him for another, what, half an inning. So I think all of those things combined, I don't think it's, it's so crazy to have taken him out. Okay, any order that you guys called? Okay, let's go Tom in, Bronx, in the Bronx. You're up next on the fan. Hello, hello. Look, um, Rick Gardner. Is he crazy swinging at a three and one pitch with the bases loaded? And what was it? One out? Was there any outs? I mean, what happened? You know. And Aaron Boone, I would have took him out. 
I'd have took them right out. That was just crazy to do that. You know that I, I don't know that that was crazy to do that. Um, you said something about I think Gallo and the other guy coming to the team mm-hmm. is a big set off for the team. Go ahead, come two guys that just set it off. That's what they needed. They needed a boost like that. They needed they didn't need two guys to come in here and make it worse. These guys have lit a little fire um, under the Yankees' uh, butt there. Um, and you mentioned that we're not paying them. We got away with not paying these two guys. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what Chris said. Yeah, actually, yes. And that was the one thing I brought up when they actually traded for them, and Tom, thanks for the call. Yeah, the other teams are eating the money. So it's like they've got free players here. They've got free – two free Italian players they've gotten in, at the trade deadline, which was the ma- – I mean – Brian Cashman, I was I was one of those people and the growing chorus of people that was like, um, enough is enough already, he's gotta go. But you have to give credit where credit's due. He's not paying these guys. The Rangers are paying Gallo and the Cubs are paying Rizzo. So I just threw up the poll there, um at coach M C C A R T A N. Obviously there's like character limits here, but I re- I wrote which is more impactful the Yankees miraculous turnaround. Stanton playing outfield, I put in quotes hustle guys, then I put Rizzo and Gallo. Right now, we've got only four votes. I just put it up. Rizzo and Gallo is winning. Ben in Queens, you're up next on the fan. Morning, Coach. Uh, I, you know, I said I wasn't going to talk Mets, but I have to just <laughs> say this. The irony isn't lost on me that yesterday the Mets lost because they didn't make the move, and tonight the Mets lost because they made the move. Yeah. Ouch. Anyway, about the Yanks, the poll, even though we spoke extensively about A and C on prior phone calls, I got to go B. I got to go B. But this this whole thing started with with the, the with the kids that came up, started running, mm-hmm. and it, it, it started. And it's like a domino effect. So once the kids started running, BAP, then we, we, we moved Stanton into the outfield, BAP, and then, and remember, the first couple of games with Stanton in the outfield, there wasn't really a – the needle wasn't moving. Mm-hmm. And then we added Rizzo and and, – and, um, Gallo, Gallo. Gallo. And boom, there it is, 12-game winning streak. So I got to say this started with B, Allen, Wade decided, hey, we got the track shoots. Hell, I, I I still argue that Judge may have been safe tonight, you know, that thing. But you know That's what? Close, yeah. But but you know what? Heart palpitations. Oh. And it started in the freaking seventh. Why is Will Weisman in this game? <laughs> I know he pitched well, but once I saw him in there, I was like, no, uh, he, he's the new bri- meet your new bridge man, Ben. Seventh, <sighs> eighth, it's going to him. I, I see him in the game. I was like, I want him to close. Yeah, I know. No, I no, know. No. So I was like rooting, like, uh-huh. yo, we need a five-run explosion. <laughs> we need a five-run explosion. It's only 7-6. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Uh, oh, here he comes out of the bullpen. I know. And it's like, okay, buckle up. Buckle your seatbelts. Here comes a roll of shouting. But you know what? He did fine. Yeah. It, it's, it's a building block, you know. like A little at a time. Yep. A, a little at a time. Although... He had his fluster moment. When that fastball, the the ref, when the umpire called that a ball, and that looked good, 
against the second bat, I believe. I he, his face, he made that face again, like. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 don't, don't you dare do this. Yeah, that face, I know. <laughs> We're not losing it this way. Yeah. But, yeah. but the love of everything that's holy, keep your composure, man. And he did. He did. So the Yanks twelve, and um, I'm I'm ready. My shirt came in. So I'm ready for Saturday, not Friday. I'm ready for Saturday to be at work with my nasty Nesta Cortez Jr. jersey. Nice. nice. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to to at least make it 13 out of 14, mm. you know, because I'm not going to say, oh, we're going to win it straight because, and here's the important thing, Ken Singleton brought it up. That stadium is a house of horrors for the, <laughs> the yeah. fact the fact we shook off blowing a six run lead and still won this game tonight. That's why I can't go two bananas over over him coming in to to save. I and go like we got the win. Everybody on the bus, get back to the hotel, shower, sleep, rest up. We gotta somehow do this again tomorrow. <laughs> Coach Ben, you, you you nailed it there, Ben. Thanks, Thanks for the time, Coach. I'll, I'll be talking to you on the weekend. All right, Ben. Um, yeah, and that's it's a crazy concept, right? They were up six nothing. The Yankees were. The A's tied it up at six six, and the Yankees still won the game. I'm telling you, it's just this newfound resilience that this team has is, has found within themselves somehow. And I, I think that part and that piece comes from guys like Gallo and Rizzo. Although, if I were able to vote in my own poll, I would vote that Giancarlo Stan playing in the outfield has, uh, has turned this season around. Okay, um, I see you guys on hold. I will get to you. I promise. Stay right there. 877-337-6666 is the number, and I see a bunch of Mets calls here. So I'm going to ask you or tell you that there are some big-name reinforcements beginning on their jersey journeys back to Queens. The question is, is it too little too late. You know who I'm talking about. 877-337-6666 is the number. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan in the morning here on the fan see some Mets calls on the board, so we will go with the Mets. We'll go, I, I go where you guys want to go. 877-337-6666 is the number, and Kevin, is he loves this. He just cued me. I went to start talking. I like it. I love six, man. I can't help <laughs> it. I, I, you know, I was definitely born in the wrong decade. Mm. Um, I was born in 96. I love 80s music. I love 70s music. You know, I, I hook you up with Bon Jovi. I hook you up with guns. You know, I got to throw in some six here in the middle of the night. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, uh, Noah Syndergaard, remember him? He completed a rehab assignment with the Brooklyn Cyclones on Thursday night. He gave up a home run on the first pitch he threw on a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. But otherwise, he was only expected to go one inning, which he did. One innings pitched, one strikeout. The home run was the only hit. So uh, besides that, really promising. 16 pitches. 12 of them were for strikes. And here's the thing. Noah Syndergaard, what do you think of Syndergaard as a dominant shutdown closer? I think he should give it a try. I mean, the money is still lucrative. 
for his next deal if it works out, which is why pitchers don't like to be re- you know middle relievers, that is, because the money's not there. But there's money in the closers market, so I would be very interested to see Noah Syndergaard as a closer at the major league level before this season ends. And then Jacob deGrom got good news on his MRI on Wednesday. I'm sure you've heard. So he's going to be ramping up, you know, extending the flat ground distance, throwing off a mound to live hitters, and the potential rehab start or starts. So should he pitch when he's eligible to pitch? Yes. Whether I think whether or not the, the, the Mets are in the postseason pitcher or not, he should be pitching. Um, I guess just to keep him in, in rhythm, right? You don't want him – if you want him to go from July to April without pitching in a real game? Uh, no, right? You saw the rust that, that Syndergaard had to shake off. And then um, I, I just think if there is something longer term lingering in his arm injury, you want to find it now rather than or, – or September, whatever – rather than – in February or March or April. So, and and another question, one more before I take your calls. Is the second wild card suddenly attainable for the Mets? Hear me out. Thursday, look at the teams ahead of them. The Reds lost their best reliever, TJ Antone, going for his second Tommy John surgery. And then look at the Phillies. Reese Hoskins, season-ending surgery. So, two of the four teams ahead of the Mets were dealt major blows on Thursday. That is why getting these two dominant guys back is important ASAP. And maybe Mets can just start winning some games. I mean, it's there for the taking if they want to go out and take it. Okay, 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. John in Staten Island, you're up next on the fan. Hey, good morning. What's up, John? Uh, Glad to see you get more time. Thank you. But, uh, oh, they're killing me. The Mets, that is. Oh, my God. I went Tuesday, and, uh, well, it was 8 nothing. I mean, uh, here he went to pull the pitcher, and now the last two days he's quick to pull the pitcher. Yeah. But, uh. I know, that's, they, the, they just, that's it. That's the game, right? They, they just don't do the little things. I mean, Crawford the other day makes a great play, and then he comes up big when it matters. Mm-hmm. And we just never seem to get a big hit, and, uh. You know, we don't know how to win. At the end of the day, we don't know how to win. I mean, the last two days, great pitching. They, they can't, you know, guy pitch. You know, they can't get wins. They're poor pitching staff. Why would anybody want to pitch here when they, they have to do better at home? Yeah, I mean, well, listen, and you got Javier Baez not knowing how many outs there are, and he's trucking it to third base. And oops, by the way, you know what I mean? Like, it was caught. the ball was caught in the outfield. And, and he, must, must have been in the first inning because I must have missed it. Yeah, but, you know, I probably uh, down, I, I believe it was early on in the game. Yeah, because I did see he did hustle into a double, which was great. That was, yeah, that Nemo was, can't hold. Nemo can't hold the base every time. He, he don't steal. I, I mean, I know he gets on base, but you know, he, he can't hold the base. I never seen that in my life. Even as a kid, I never remember guys like overrunning the base or not holding the base. Yeah. Well, you know, I was watching uh, the Mets broadcast today, and I, I, this is something I will ask him. He learned how to slide head first this season. That's yeah, what they I did. Mean, so maybe I mean that's yeah, got to no. be part of it. I mean, I I love him. I mean, but he don't have much power. He don't steal bases. What? Brandon you Nemo know. has the the last I checked the third highest on base percentage in the in the entire in the entire MLB. 
He is the one player that nobody is allowed to crap on. I mean, you've got Francisco Lindor striking out left and right. Javier Baez, did you see that they made a meme out of him the other night on the strikeout that he had? I mean, he was already done swinging, and the ball wasn't even at the plate yet. The guy can't remember how many outs there are. Pete Alonso's playing patty cake with, with uh, Carlos Carrasco tonight. Ooh, who's going to take the ball at first base? You take it yourself, man. You got Javier Baez with a, uh, uh, what was it, a... Uh, a platinum sombrero. I didn't even know that that existed. And you guys know I know baseball. So I'm telling you, the last thing person that you can get on is Brandon Nimmo. He is has been the only, one of the only bright spots on this team. You can't get on him. That's just ridiculous. And, and you got the manager against a left-handed pitcher two nights ago. He's sticking uh, Jeff McNeil out there instead of Dom Smith in left field. I mean, that's mind-blowing because Dom Smith has... Uh, all of the metrics, offensive metrics, are better for Dom Smith against left-handed pitching. Let's put that out there. And his batting average is like 100 points higher. Why on earth would you be putting Jeff McNeil in left field? You, you're putting your team at a disadvantage before the game even starts. So if you want to get on Brandon Nimmo, call another show because that's not it here. Eric and Ron Conkoma, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Daniel. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, before I get to my Mets thing, uh, the, the other day after I, I was off, uh, you, you, were, you had that question about crazy stuff that happened during mm-hmm. either a baseball or a yeah. softball games. So when I when I was playing little league, I, I mean I played basically every position except for like pitcher and uh, first. So one one day I'm in right field, <clears throat> and uh, you know the, the game came to a stop around the third inning or whatever it was, uh, and and all of a sudden I'm getting waved in from the coaching staff and I'm like, what's going on? As it turned out, uh my <laughs> my my mother who was sitting behind the backstop and it wasn't anything other than the backstop, uh caught a foul ball in the jaw <gasps> off of uh, the, the the team that we were playing. Oh, so no. I mean yeah, thank, th- thankfully yeah, thankfully uh she was okay. But uh I mean uh the what what are the odds? I mean the, the where she was sitting the angle just caught, you know caught her enough to, you know, whack her in the face, but I didn't even know it happened because I'm out in the, uh, in the outfield. So, was she all right? Uh, did she uh, break her jaw? What happened? Yeah, no, no, she didn't, she didn't break her jaw, nothing. I mean, it was amazing, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was that was an interesting uh, uh, day for me, that's for sure. Did but, you give her your helmet to wear from that point on? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no, I didn't, but, that, uh, but I'll tell you, from that point on, though, she – Made sure she was squarely behind the backstop. So that's, uh, <laughs> so. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, look. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know when the, the you know you mentioned Syndergaard and uh, and Degrom. First of all, as far as Degrom's concerned, I mean, he's had other MRIs and they've all come back okay uh, for the most part. I mean, they you know, they, they mentioned the, the but. Uh, I mean, there hasn't been anything glaring in there. I don't know what kind of MRIs they're giving them because there, there really never seems to be anything serious popping up on there, and yet he keeps coming in for a couple of games and then he ends up being out again. I wouldn't put him in there, uh, quite honestly. And I, I'd either go to a different doctor or, or get a you know a, a dye injected MRI uh, uh, or something because something is not being shown properly on there. But uh, if um, if the Mets, what was it, the next 12 games or so is against the Marlins and Nationals? I think it's 14, uh, something to that effect. 14, I think. 14, okay. I mean, if they 
uh, unless they go like 10 and 4 or whatever the it's got to be a dominant record against these other teams mm-hmm. which they haven't shown to do yet uh that would be the only way I'd put him back in the season uh, as far as Syndergaard I mean it's not a bad idea being a closer but the question is does he have the mental makeup to do that cuz he's wow. a little he's got a couple of screws loose in himself uh, when it comes to you know what he thinks his his uh, performance level is and but but I'll tell you one thing though if there's uh, if there's one person he could take uh, a lesson from, it would be John Smoltz because look how dominant he ended up being as a closer yeah. uh, when when he was out for a while and he came back as a closer and then went back as a starter. So I mean that you know take a page out of his book uh, if he wants to work his way back. So uh, it can be done. We know this. It's just a matter of whether you know uh, in his head he can handle it. So yeah, Eric. The one thing I will say is this, but but. DeGrom, to shut him down and to have him not pitch for literally months, the last I think he pitched was July 7th, that's that's not a good look, I don't think. And, and I don't like the fact that if there is something actually really wrong, that something's not like in the MRA is not being picked up, don't you want to know now versus like the beginning of next season, then you lose a whole nother year? Well, I mean, I would, I would hope that, uh, I mean, given – that maybe after the season's over that he has like a real comprehensive exam, you know, and not wait till February. Uh, I mean, it did, you know, there's plenty of time. I mean, they're not making, uh, I mean, despite the second wild card, they're not making the playoffs. I mean, they just, they, they, I mean, they left another small village on the bases again today. I know. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, you know, I know you were talking about the, uh, you know, as far as the pitching, you know, taking uh, uh, Carrasco out, but I mean, in all honesty, I mean, they, they left, what, at least 10 men on base again? I think it was nine. So, uh, okay, but, I mean, still, it's 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 way too many people, it, and it happens way too often. Uh, it's they, they just don't have it, and, and honestly, uh, with, with these amount of games coming, uh, I could see them, at best, going uh, 500 with this next group of games. Well, Eric, that's something we're going we're going to have to wait and see. And you know what? The the nine left on base. It's not like they were like scattered, you know, throughout the game. One here, one there, one an inning. The bases were loaded in the bottom of the eighth. Jeff McNeil couldn't come through. The bases were loaded in the bottom of the ninth. The night before, Francisco Lindor, the three hundred million dollar man, couldn't come through. But then Pete Alonso, the eternal optimist, would tell you, well, we had a small army on the bases, and we just need one hit, and we would have won X amount of those games if we had gotten that one hit. So herein lies the problem, right? So, got some good news for Giants fans as well, coming out of Thursday's joint practice with, of course, none other than the New England Patriots. So I will fill you in on that and tell you when I think one of their biggest stars will see the field in the 2021 regular season. Coming right up. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. We've done Yankees. We've done Mets. And I'm going to open up a little Giants conversation for you guys as well. So any of the three, we're all good to go. I'm Daniel McCart with you on the fan till 6 a.m. when Boomer and Geo Show comes your way then. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on the fan at 341. We've got Yankees on. The Yankees have won 12 straight. Aroldis Chapman is still trending on Twitter. 
for good reason, though, this time. New York Mets, um, they're on life support. Could have won a second straight game against the San Francisco Giants and could not get it done. And some good news at a Giants practice on uh, on Thursday, that is. And we've got a good look at Saquon Barkley for the first time. Um, we, everybody, you know, journalists, fans, coaching staff, players, whole thing. So if you guys want to get aboard, uh, Kevin's waiting for you guys, 877-337-6666. I'm here to tell you that Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones hooked up for an, one or more I know of two explosive plays late in practice. Hopefully one of many this season. So Barkley wore a red non-contact jersey. But the good news is he made a cut on a route towards the middle of the field, gained a step on the linebacker, and, oh, Danny Dimes put it right on the money. And then number 26 had the whole field, lots of green in front of him. I think that they whistled the play dead, though. So that's exciting. And even more exciting is what he said afterwards. He said, when I caught the ball, I wasn't even thinking about my knee or anything. So much stuff is going out there on the football field. It really takes your mind off it. I would say that's a positive sign. Well, when you caught the ball, you weren't thinking about your knee. Absolutely positive sign. Because that's something that um, guys that come back from these injuries, you know, like ACL, Achilles, everything, Tommy John, they don't trust their body, if that makes sense, and they have to kind of wrap their mind around coming back from that injury. And based on what he said, based on what was shown on Thursday's practice, I think I think Saquon Barkley's on the right track. So when will the Giants see him on the field for game action? So I'm going to – if I were a betting person, I would put my money on that second game of the season against the Washington football team because – I know the Giants have been handling him with such kid gloves. I mean, he hasn't even been hit yet, and it's now August 27th. I just don't think if he plays in week one versus the Broncos, it'll be a series or two. He's not getting the full workload against the Broncos. And because the reason why I say the second game to see him is because then they, because the Giants play on Thursday Night Football, so they're going to have to travel to Washington, D.C., and then play a game four days later. They are not running Saquon Barkley out there on Sunday and on Thursday, and it's still August 27th, and he hasn't been hit yet. So I would say week two for Saquon Barkley, not week one. Or if it's week one, it'll be week one, but not week two. It's not going to be both of those games, I don't think. I'm thinking week two and then just keep 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 the momentum going from there. But we'll see. Good signs out of Giants practice today against the Patriots. Let's go back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Vernon in Manhattan. You're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How are you doing? We got you. Okay. Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. I want to talk about two things today, New York Mets and Brooklyn Cyclones. And, of course, I have to give you your riddle, or you can ask um, a baseball quiz question. So which one do you want, the riddle? Well, the baseball quiz question. I'm not good at riddles, especially at 3.45 in the morning, so I'm going to go with the quiz question. <laughs> okay. What are the colors, two two teams' colors, that make up the Mets' different jerseys? I think I just was looking this up the other night. It's the Giants. I know that. Okay. Now, which Giants, Gabby? Specific. Oh, well, this is San Francisco Giants, not the New York Giants. 
Okay, That's where the orange correct. comes from. Yeah, the orange comes from the Giants. The blue comes from the Dodgers. Correct. Yes. You got, you got I've redeemed myself for the first time in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Mets, what can you say about this team? First of all, the manager has to go. When the last two games, they had good pitching going on, and the result was uh, he pulls the pitchers, bring in the next pitcher from the bullpen, and they cause the loss of the game. Uh, baseball is fun. Why can't a pitcher who starts, who's doing well, go nine innings of baseball? The so, one thing, yeah, the one thing I will say is because for Carrasco in particular, I mean, he was at 78 pitches. He, he had, I think the closest was like 65 before that. He had never right. been to 70 pitches. So I'm just thinking that for him anyway, I, I disagreed with the other night, but for him, I thought it was the right move because of the fact that he's coming off injury, obviously, hasn't pitched that much this season so far, and if the Mets are poised to make a run, they're going to need him. Yeah, that's true. I always thought about uh, uh, men built better back in the uh, 60s where they can go nine innings. Yeah, I know. Who built today. I know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so also that's... a fan of that. You know that. <laughs> so let's go to the second one, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Uh, first of all, for the Brooklyn Cyclones fans, I want to thank you for your phone calls, your emails. Uh, today the rep, Jeremy, did call me and the concerns – I am doing fine, Brooklyn Cyclone fans. So I let everyone know I love you. I miss you. I will be back. This is from Vernon, a.k.a. The Cooler. Have a nice day. <laughs> Vernon, thanks for that. Uh, he's fine. Brooklyn Cyclones fans, don't worry. Vernon's fine. <laughs> I finally got the quiz question right. It's been a few weeks, Kevin. I, I've been uh, oh for like the past three what were the last uh, quizzes that uh, you were given in the last couple of weeks? Um, the one that it was how many players are how many people are on the field um, for a World Series game? Okay. And I did not take into consideration the ball boy slash girl for each team. Yes, that counts. It does count. Yeah, so I was too short in my guess. Uh, what was the other one? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I can't think. I can't remember. Uh. I don't know. I can't remember the other one. I, Vernon's probably yelling at his radio. Probably right. football, baseball, but, you know, just trying to help you out. No, it's I, there are no bells ringing. Oh, <laughs> None. <boy. laughs> None. But uh, it, it felt good to get away. Hey, you know what? Actually, thinking about it, because, you know, Brooklyn Dodgers, New York Giants. No, San Francisco Giants, obviously. But yeah. it does make sense. The Mets. Yeah. You know why? I, you know why that was so top of mind to me, actually? And P- Mets fans are probably like, oh, whatever. Listen, I... I'm 33 years old. Like I, you know, I mean, I, I'm not. But I was just looking at because you know how the I don't know if you know the Yankees want are they are aggressively pursuing a City Connect jersey. Yes, okay. those new uniforms. Yes. Okay, so we were talking about it the other night, and um, I I was looking at the Mets uniforms and the history of them just on my own, and um, I did come across that that the two colors in their logo are infused by the Giants and the Dodgers. And I had some ideas. Maybe you guys want to chime in. You could tweet me. You can call. And I'm going to get your opinion, too, because we haven't talked about this. Yankees, because the Yankees, it's pretty much going to happen. For their City Connect uniforms, I would like to see a little bit of an ode to the Bronx and, like, the Arthur Ave Bronx. I want to see some sort of Italian design (laughs) incorporated in it. 
You know what's weird, though? When it comes to the Yankees, and, uh, you know, I, I actually think looking back, I did see your tweet the other day when it, co- when it came to the new uniforms. The Yankees never change anything. So even going back to, you know, the Field of Dreams game a couple of weeks ago, it, it's just weird seeing the Yankees in a different uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it may have been a little different during the Ruth and Garrett years, but obviously we weren't there. Yeah. And it, it's just different. Like, I, I just feel like you don't mess around with the Yankees uniform. Well, that's the thing. That was kind of the general consensus of the show. It's like, you're not going to touch them. But the fact of the matter is, they're going to be touched. So, let's... The worst was when they went to L.A. two years ago. You know, Yankees, Dodgers, they were in L.A., and the Yankees are wearing those stupid freaking black jerseys. Oh, I hated that. Those were the worst. Who thought in Major League Baseball thought out of all teams between the Yankees and the Dodgers, let's wear black. Are you kidding me? I remember that. Can we say that at least for for the... you know, the Royals in, in June? Does it have to be the Yankees and the Dodgers? Like, come on. I know. I know. Yeah. So that that's uh, that's something I would like to see for the Giants City Connect. And then, I mean, the Yankees City Connect. And then the Mets, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe something throwback to Ebbets Field, I was saying, or the Polo Grounds. But I don't know how you would incorporate that. Well, when it comes to the Mets, I would think blue and white, just because they are usually blue and white. Maybe not, obviously, you know, when you think about, like, the old, you know, uniforms, like minus the pinstripes. In like I'm talking about like the late '90s, 2000 days. It was the just black white. uniforms? No, not the black. I uniform. love them. But no, I know you do. But like just the plain white. It it was white and it was blue. You know with the names. Yeah. That's probably the most that you can get out of that. But you can't add really too much orange I know, if you're looking for like an Ebbets Field type of vibe. Yeah, you, you're missing the point of the City Connect though, because it's like has to deal with like the city. So right. So my idea was to incorporate the home run apple somehow in the design of the jersey because that's unique to the Mets like no one else has a home run apple I don't know hmm it's interesting you know you got to do a lot of like brainstorming before it comes official and obviously Major League Baseball is going to be doing that but when it comes to the Yankees don't touch them you already touched them a couple years ago and like I said out of all teams against the Dodgers don't do it you did it with the Field of Dreams it looks cute for five minutes you wore it for 24 hours, and then you move on. Back to the original away uniforms, back to the pinstripes. The caps that they wore at the um, Field of Dreams yeah. game with the wider Yeah, NY. it was like a different NY. I tried buying one of those hats that were sold out before the game even ended. Well, how much were they? Like 75 bucks on eBay? No, on I don't MLB. know. On MLB.com? Oh, yeah, were they, 40-something? Uh, I mean, I don't know what MLB's doing. Yeah, I don't know. I think 40 <laughs> They're trying to get their buck, you know? You feel the dreams. Yeah, well, that's it. That's the thing. And that's that's the whole thing about this. So the NBA did it, you know, with uh, with their jerseys. How horrible were those Knicks jerseys? The city that doesn't sleep or the city that never sleeps? Horrible. They were horrible. New York Knicks are not, a, you know, they're not black. That I mean, the logo is blue and orange and white. Black is like the, it's not primary, secondary, tertiary. I can't think of what the what four would be called. It's just weird, you know, when horrible. it comes to, like, you know, making different uniforms and all that. It, you know, when you, you know, you brainstorm and like, oh, this would look good, this would look good. Yeah. You just don't want to mess with the New York teams, though. That's the thing. You can mess with, uh, I don't know, the you Oakland can mess A's. with the, the Oakland A's, for example. I mean, they got eight different uniforms. Yeah. Same with Tampa Bay. They wear powder blue every Sunday when they're at home in the trop. You just don't mess with the New York teams. And finally, yes, we get the black jerseys. That's acceptable. But just don't mess around with anything else here. I will tell you one thing, though. Two, actually. One, I loved what the Nets did with the color on the sleeves. Like, they kept the black pretty much, and they kept the, the 
the colors on the sleeves on an ode to on Taurus B.I.G. Those I liked, but I think I think we can agree. I don't know this about you, but I think we can agree on this. The Giants color rush uniforms. People in what? Away. You know, I'm all in as a Giant fan. I'm yeah. all in. It's time for a change. They freaking stunk up the joint for the last 10 years. It's time for a new change. Give me the Giant helmets. Give me the color rushes away uniforms. Yeah. Let's make a home one. Hell, even bring back the freaking red jerseys. If no, that means. no. If it means us to win, uh, be successful no. and get into the playoffs and potentially win a Super Bowl, sign me up. Oh, these red sign ones. Sign me up. I will do it in oh, a heartbeat. No, those Come red on. ones. No, I get it. The, the Giants were like one and four when they were, but anything just to get uh-huh. this team going. And those color rush uniforms—they haven't won a game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I, may, I think they may have won one, but no, I don't think. I, I think they're know. winless, actually. Oh no! Looking so maybe not. So maybe not. But they look good. They look great. The helmets are awesome. They, they should keep them. No, it's like you know, dating someone that's really beautiful, but they have a lot of problems. You know, they <laughs> just don't come out. The, in, at the end of the day. <laughs> or no personality. Either or. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know what, though, Kevin? i got to say that the Jets tried their uniform revamp, and they won two games. So, just saying. Hey, you know what? Two games is better than none. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. So, we are going to do a quick break. Bob Usler has an update for you guys, and we'll take more of your calls. 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker to listen to the home of New York sports. Just say, Alexa, play WFAN. Welcome back to McCart in the morning here on the fan. Oh, yeah, we're hitting you with some country. Luke Combs. This, this, uh, this song is called Beer Never Broke My Heart. And the New York Mets are breaking hearts all over our area and uh it's it's a long suffocating they may be giving you just a little bit of hope if you're a Mets fan maybe potentially they load the bases the other night Lindor can't come through they load the bases Thursday night nobody can come through especially Jeff McNeil in the, in the biggest spot it's just very frustrating if you're a Mets fan but if you're a Yankee fan Trying to explain what's going on, I do have a poll that has five minutes left up on uh, my Twitter page, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I ask you, which is more impactful of the Yankees' miraculous turnaround? A, Stanton playing the outfield. B, you know, there's character limits, so I had to write hustle guys in the quotes. Or is it C, Rizzo and Gallo? We've got literally five minutes left in that poll. Give me a vote. And we'll talk about the results coming up. But for right now, Kevin and I are taking your calls. 877-337-6666. Robert in Brooklyn, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you doing tonight? Doing a great job. Oh, Danielle, by the way, let me ask you. You're a Meta Yankee fan. See, that's the thing. So I don't know what fan you are. <laughs> I know. But that, that's, that's the key because if you don't know, it means I'm doing a good job being unbiased. What about Jets or, Jets or Giants? Are you give me a little <laughs> same thing. Okay, whatever. Same thing. But, here, but what I will say is, if if the Yankees and the Mets played each other in the World Series, I would root for the Yankees, and if the Jets and Giants played each other in the Super Bowl, I'd root for the Jets. Okay, all right, that's fair. Okay, so now the question I got to ask you is tonight, Luis Rojas. Okay, mm-hmm. this guy should have been he should have been fired about a month ago. This guy, to me. He is the worst manager the Mets have ever had. I'll repeat it over again. He is absolutely brutal. He is horrible. And the second question, 
Lindor, he is robbing. He is robbing the money. This man is. What is he getting, now, Danielle? About thirty-five million a year, Lindor. What's his contract? I can look it up. I, it, it depends on on the year, but I know he's he, kind of. Uh, he is. He is the year Lindor is his no What is he batting two sixteen? Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's, this year, are you sitting down? This year, it's forty-three point three million. Wow, that's incredible. Incredible. He he is he he he's just he's just totally lost that guy. He yep. he I, I I can't watch him no more. What happened to this guy? I was never really crazy about Lindor. Mm-hmm. I always thought he was an okay player. But what is he batting now? What uh, Danielle two sixteen or something like that? Yeah, not not great. <laughs> it's it's just it's just like oh my god, the Mets right now. I don't. Know, do you think they should have been a move made? I mean, the salvage season. What do you think about this, Luis Rojas? And, Danielle, you're doing a tremendous job, and you have a great night. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. Appreciate the passion there, too. Uh, Lind- uh, let's go Lindor first. Batting 224. And, you know, there's more to, you know, batting than just batting average. We all we all understand that now. There's advanced metrics and things like that. But, I mean, you look at war, wins above replacement, 1.9. That's not a lot. I'm just looking at his stats here. It's just it's been an absolutely underwhelming season for him, like to to the point where I'm just going to venture to guess right here. Yeah, here it is. It's the lowest batting average of his in career. He's got the lowest on base percentage of his career, the lowest slugging percentage of his career, lowest on base. Do you see where I'm going with this? Literally, go down the categories. Every single column, it's like the worst, the worst, the worst of his entire career. And I can't explain it. I tried to explain it. I, I, I tried to calm Mets fans down, saying that he's a slow starter because he is. You know, and people are calling up, freaking out in the month of April and May. Why isn't he hitting? Well, he got hot in June, and, and, and that's when he does get hot. But I can't sit here and say, like, oh, my God, like, he's doing a great job because he's not. Like, there's, it's indefensible at this point. You're making $43 million, and you can't get a hit. With your team down in the bottom of the inning with the bases loaded, that is what they're paying you to do. I don't care how you do it. Freaking bunt the ball. I don't care. It's just really, I just don't understand. And it compounded by the fact that he brought his buddy over there to play second base for him and the team. Javier Baez. I mean, talk about it. Just And I pointed it out when it happened. Steve Cohen with the tweet about the on-base percentage and, and, and all that, right? Calling the team out. Yet, that's funny. You pick the guy who strikes out, like, at the highest rate of the enti- in the entire league to help you make a push? Come on. The right answer was right in front of you, and it was Chris Bryant. You missed on it. I Listen, I'm not uh, – how do I say this? I don't like to react to things. I like to be proactive on things. Going into the trade deadline, my top recommendation for the Mets was Chris Bryant. And he shows you every single time he plays the Mets, six home runs as a giant, four of them are against the Mets. Four of his six home runs as a San Francisco giant have come against the New York Mets. Just to remind you that that's who you should have picked instead of Javier Baez who can't even remember how many freaking outs there are while he's running around the bases. Brutal. It's just brutal. As far as the managers, what they liked about Luis Rojas was that he had a great relationship with the players. That's what they told you. You could believe it because he came up with them in a way. 
minor leagues. I mean, he was familiar with all of the homegrown guys, probably Nimmo, Alonzo, um, McNeil, Conforto. He's, he's, he's familiar with all of them, and they are familiar with him. So it, at the time, it was an easy fit. But don't forget that he was not supposed to be the manager. Carlos Beltran got himself into some trouble, and Luis Rojas took the team over. It was like something like 20 days left before a pitchers and catchers report. And I know he's had time to learn and grow, and, and he has. But you look at Jacob deGrom, who's in the prime of his career, you, and, and look at this roster. This team should be winning more games. Yes, they can't come through with, with the hits in the timely spots. Yes, they can't score any runs, nine left on base on, on Thursday night. Who are you pegging on? Well, I don't know. The manager, I guess. The hitting coach, for sure. Hugh Quattlebaum, who they hired after they fired Chili Davis. I don't know. This is a team that just lost its swagger. Pete Alonso told me that it's never lost. It has. It's clear. It's evident. And if they are going to salvage this season, they need to go on a New York Yankees-like tear through the bottom feeders in the NL East, which is the Washington Nationals and the Miami Marlins. And just so you know, the Mets against the Nationals have a 545 winning percentage, which is not great, and a 333 winning percentage against the Marlins. Do you still believe? I don't know. But now's the time. Now's the time to start. How many times do we have to say, okay, now's the time. This is the must-win series. This is it. I'll tell you, in a week's time from now, we will know if the Mets are for real or for fake. <laughs> I used to have, there was a girl in my class in like seventh grade. She always used to say, for real? And this girl, Ryan, she would always say, no, for fake. <laughs> that just made me think of that. Seventh grade, wow. Okay, 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Jesse in Queens, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how are you? Great, how are you, Jesse? I'm pretty good. I mean, aside from these Mets, I mean, they do need to start. I mean, I, I want to watch some good baseball, so I've been just watching Yankee games of late because I can't, I can't watch these Mets. I can't. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, they can't hit fastballs. Their manager makes questionable decisions all the time. Yep. I don't. It's just, it's like they're, they're like a double A team. I mean, I just, they, they need to just like clean house. Sandy gone, yep. Luis Rojas gone, yep. bringing Theo Epstein, and, um, you know, they have to get a regular, uh, you know, they have to install a major league program, a professional major league program, and because this is, like, ridiculous. This is, like, they don't know what they're doing. It just so, it shows incompetence from the top, and it shows that the manager, the manager doesn't inspire the players. He's always, you know, like, you know, it's just like the players. It seems like he's one of them. And they're not going to go on a tear like the Yankees. The only way they can do that is they make a change. The Yankees realized there was something wrong, mm -hmm. and they brought in new players, new blood, new energy, and the Mets have to do that. The way they can do that is by firing Rojas and trying to get Showalter here to salvage the season. But I know they're not going to do that because no, they're, they're not, not doing that. It's, I yeah, think it's too far gone. If they were going to make that move, and Jesse thanks for the call, if they were going to make that move, it would have been a long time ago. It's Luis Rojas. He's going to go down like a captain with a sinking ship. And, again, the relationship with the players, 
I mean, I looked at and and Derek Cole did it to to Aaron Boone too, rightly so. When Taiwan Walker was told that he was coming out of that game, he he was incredible. He was beside himself, and he was right. The guy was cruising, and Luis Rojas with his binder said, mm, "Okay, you're gonna press this button. We're taking you out now." I mean, the relationship with the players seems to be. Uh, what's the word? Going down every day, not decreasing, crumbling. I guess there's another word for crumbling. But every day, a little bit less, a little bit less. I mean, Tywin Walker, the guy's a competitor. Leave him out there. He's dealing. You leave him out there. Carrasco is a different story. That was the right move to take Carrasco out. And then you got, and again, you heard Chris Sheeran tell you before. Nobody except for the players and the coaches have been in the clubhouse for two seasons now. My guess, and they'll never say it publicly, but my guess is that the Mets clubhouse is starting to splinter. I think it started to splinter the day that Lindor and McNeil got into that argument. And then I think it continued once Baez was brought in. I think it made it way worse. You know, factioning off the clubhouse. And then it showed it on the field when J.D. Davis is making this ridiculously stupid play. I mean, the play with J.D. Davis... When, when the ball was, uh, he had a charge from third base, he had to charge the ball. I mean, as an infielder, you have an internal clock of, like, when to throw it and when not to throw it. I guess J.D. Davis didn't have that clock or doesn't have it because he picked the ball up. The runner was within one stride of first base. He throws the ball anyway, gets past Pete Alonzo, and then he's sitting on his butt on the field with his arms outstretched, and he's like, what the F, Pete? I mean, what the F you, J.D. Davis? What are you throwing that ball for? Eat it. Horrible. Horrible. So I'm wondering, I think the clubhouse is lost. But with that all being said, the Mets took the Giants to the brink two nights in a row. Dodgers to the brink. I mean, they can hang. They really can hang. They just have to play complimentary baseball, and it's just not happening. It's not coming together. By this time next week, we will know if the Mets are in or they're out. Either way, Jacob deGrom should still pitch if he's able to. If there are no setbacks, he should still pitch and take the mound for the Mets this 2021 season. Alex and Queens are up next on the fan. Hey, you know, to me, when I look at Lindor, he reminds me a lot like Jose Reyes in that they both were always laughing regardless of the score, always yeah. immature, you know, chatting with the opponents. And yep. notice both guys were part of the collapses, the 2007-2008 historic collapses, and then this year. And there's no question in my mind that Lindor, when you look at the fact that a guy like Jeff McNeil, who's giving it his all yep. to support his family, and he's making $645,000, and he looks across the locker room, and he sees a guy, Lindor, making $341 million more than he is. Yep. He sees the level of performance of Lindor, and Lindor's answer, instead of putting his head down in shame and embarrassment the way he's performed this year, his answer to that is to bleach his here ridiculous colors for one reason, so everyone should notice him. And the fact that this guy's worried about how he looks, instead of being a complete embarrassment to the city of New York, getting paid $341 million, being one of the worst players in baseball, to me, guys in that locker room don't like each other. I think Lindor is the biggest reason for that. I mm-hmm. think Lindor has fractured his locker room. Yep. Um, and then they will never, just like I said, they will never win with Jose Reyes. They will never win with Francisco Lindor. He's just a virus to that team. And he's, he's, he's the reason this team is where they are. Alex, that's a fiery take, and you know what? I think it's right on the money. 
I, I do. I think it's on the money. I, I just don't – I can't fathom, right? Here's the other thing, too. I can't fathom an owner that would sign this guy to that – I can't think of the word absorbent. I know that's probably not how you pronounce it, but that ridiculous contract. And he hasn't played a single game in New York. Everybody knows that it's it's different to play here. Players have said it. Everybody knows. It's a different atmosphere to play here in New York. And then you got Lindor with the side smile on his face. You're right. Talking about the fans booing him. If you're worried about the fans booing you rather than, you know, doing your job, you're worried about the, the – you're not doing your job. They are booing you. We are New York. That's how That's how we do it here. No matter what team you are, no matter what player you are, it doesn't matter. Aaron Judge has gotten booed. I mean, come on. Tune the booze out, get your mind right, and start putting the ball in play. And then that's a great point, you know, putting yourself in, in Jeff McNeil's shoes, looking out and seeing the guy making all that much more money than you, bringing in his friend to take your position. That's uh, that's not a good scenario. That's not a good situation. Not to mention that a bunch of those guys are – Pete Alonso made more money having won the home run derby than he, than he is making – this season under contract with the Mets. So let's just put that out there as well. So something that I think we can all get behind, regardless of whatever team that you root for, whatever sport, doesn't matter. What is the best promotional giveaway that you've ever received in a game? Because I only ask because Gary, Keith, and Ron, they were talking about the other day, and they were talking about an upcoming giveaway at City Field. And actually, that, that day is, is today, Friday's giveaway at City Field. It's a great one for a team that isn't so great. And if I had, you know, the time and the resources and everything to go and get myself one of these at City Field later today, I think I would. Like, it would make me buy a ticket to go see the Mets play on Friday night, as, as crazy as that sounds. So 877-337-6666, the best promotional giveaway at a stadium that you ever received. Go. Welcome back to McCartney in the morning. Kevin Wall, myself, huge Bon Jovi fans. Just two Jersey kids, you know? Two Jersey kids, you know, just living the dream. <laughs> so, it's funny that you picked this song, Kevin, because the Mets are going down in a blaze of glory. Why do you think I picked the song? <laughs> I like it. Not I like, just because it's a classic, like but your head's at. they really are going down in the blaze of glory. They are fast. So, Gary, Keith, and Ron, we're, uh, we're talking about a giveaway at City Field later tonight. I thought it would be a good topic for the show to bring to you guys. Are you heading out to City Field later tonight? Good for you. Because presented by Northwell Health, the first 25,000 people of City Field are going to get a Noah Syndergaard replica jersey. I think it's so cool. For a team that is going really nowhere fast, down in a blaze of glory, it's a fantastic giveaway. Like like I said, it, it makes me want to buy a ticket to that game. Because well, tickets have to be cheap for the Mets right now. And it's probably cheaper to buy the ticket and get the replica jersey than to just buy the jersey outright. And I saw, I looked at it. It's got like a little 
Little sponsor logo on the sleeve. Not big. Looks good. I like it. It's not gross looking. It's not huge, the, the logo. Well done. And I got a tweet already from at uh, Reinhard Brill. He says, the Piazza bobblehead was the best thing I ever got. So what is the best thing you guys ever got at, at a game? I would have to say one of the first Yankee games that I, I was ever at, you know, the four of us went, mom, dad, my brother, and it was a bad day. That was the coolest thing. Yankee Stadium, that day. My dad, recently, he was like, yeah, I can't believe they gave, like, all those people bats, <laughs> like, in the stands. I guess nowadays, like, you can't do that, right? But I just, the bobbleheads don't do it for me. I, You know, I, one time, my cousin, he loves me, collects every single one of them. Older, he's older than me. And he was like, listen, I'll transfer you my ticket to the Yankee game, but I get your bobblehead. And I was like, deal, fine. I get the tickets, you get the bobblehead. I don't want it anyway. That's fine. And you know what? I couldn't deliver. I couldn't do it. You want to know why? Because maybe you remember this. It wasn't that long ago. The bobblehead delivery to Yankee Stadium was delayed that night. And I was sitting in the seats, and I was looking around at, at all the people. And I was like, where is everybody? Everybody literally was in – maybe you were in the line. Maybe you were one of those people that was in the line at every gate at Yankee Stadium. All of the gates had a line at them of people waiting for the delivery to happen. Because they, they, they said – they announced that, that they were going to be coming in like the second or the third inning or something. So people literally were, were waiting. And you know like the, where you like walk down the ramp? Like it was a snake line up and down the ramp at every single gate at Yankee Stadium. I was like – I texted him. I think I called him, actually. I was like, listen, put on the Yankee game on TV. I'm not waiting in these lines. There are more people in line than watching this game right now, and I'm not going to spend the entire time waiting for a bobblehead. He was all right with it. He said, all right, yeah, I see it on TV. It's all good. I think he ended up buying it on eBay. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, so people go crazy for the bobbleheads. Not me. I like that day. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Joe in Floral Park, you're up on the fan, Joe. Hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm all right. All I right. Know. You know? I know. As, as good as you can be, right? Yeah, pretty much for 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, So I I never really went to a game where I got something, but I saw, like, pretty memorable games, like Cal Ripken Jr.'s last game in Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Mariano Rivera's last game in Yankee Stadium, Junior's last game. I was there, too. All that good stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was great. 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 Still get chills thinking about right? it. Right? I know. I know. That, that I'll never forget that as long as I live, that game. Oh, no, you, you don't forget those things. No. Those are things you don't forget. Yep. But um, going back to the Yankees and Mets, right, it's, it's like a world of difference between franchises. The Mets are like the red-headed stepchild of Major League Baseball. What makes you they say try, that? They try, they try, they try, they try, they try. And it's like they get close, but they hit the wall. And Big Brother always shows them up. Yeah, well, for the last – as long you as know, I've been alive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like 2015 was a fluke. That was, the, that was the outlier in the data? Yeah, that, <laughs> that was a fluke. That was a fluke. You know, they, they had young pieces coming up. You know, Syndergaard was a rookie. Uh, DeGrom was, what, one year in? Yeah. And he was, like, what, the third or fourth starter in that mm-hmm. series? Mm-hmm. They had Harvey. They had Harvey starting for them. Oh, yeah. There you go. Harvey. There you go. Yeah. How do you forget Harvey? The Dark Harvey? Knight. Oh, yeah. The Dark Knight of Gotham. 
Yeah, I love. First of all, I love Batman. So when they when that was like a thing, I was all in for it. I really was. Uh, you know, it was it was a good uh, attention grabber, get fans in the stands. But like signing Lindor, Lindor had a down year last year. Like, and everybody's like, oh, he's gonna bounce back in 2021. You know, COVID shortened season, blah, 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 blah. He's playing worse in almost every single offensive metric from last year in his career. Like, we just went through it. Every career. single one of them. Career, career numbers, yeah. career lows for yeah. a, a multitude yeah. of different offensive metrics. What? Took his war, too. I think he has got like a 1 8 war this year. 1 9, yeah. Yeah, there you go. You know, he's he wasn't worth the $340 million. Mm-hmm. If you see what he does. At the end of the year, if you're really still interested in them, then go get them in free agency. Well, that's you know, the thing. I think, right, and that's what I was going to say before, so. too, because the shortstop class coming out of this season in oh, free agency. ridiculous. Right, exactly. Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, yep. Corey Seager, you know, and then and, uh, Baez was in that list, too. Yep. And, 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 guess, and guess what, Lindor too? would have been in the list. Yep, but. and guess what, too? There was a uh, Carlos Correa. Um, Paul sent me this from Floral Park. He, Carlos Correa said, "My la- this is from August 25th, but he said, my last year with the Astros, hopefully we can win another championship. My last yeah. year with the Astros. Yeah. So there goes there goes a piece from the Astros. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> he would have been a perfect fit for the Mets. He would have been a perfect fit, but you know, they, they, Steve Cohen wanted to make like he wanted to make a splash yeah. as a new owner with all this money. And couldn't do it with Real Muto because he didn't want to Lindor. right. And couldn't do it with Real Muto because he didn't want to leave Philly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And every every piece that they went after, like George Springer. Yeah. They, why don't you give him the extra? Why don't you give him the extra year? Yeah. I don't give him the extra year, and you have you have a Gold Glove caliber center fielder. Patrolling center field for you, and he's going to hit you when healthy. Forty bombs. Well, that's the thing. One hundred twenty RBIs. That's the thing. I know it's the healthy. Right. I know and and Brandon Nimmo issue. has done. He's been one of the one of the only bright spots of this Mets team. Has been Brandon Nimmo. He took it personally, like Michael Jordan yeah. says. He's been playing great. No, I, absolutely. But, absolutely. You know, Brandon Nimmo's job was on the line. Yep, and he knew it. I, and you know, he's he's showing up every day. Putting everything into it, not like these other bums that play for the Mets. <laughs> on that, Joe, I'll, I'll let you go on that. But Brendan Nimmo has been one of the, if not the best player the Mets have had this season. I know maybe Alonzo too. Sure, Nimmo, Alonzo, Degrom when he's there are the top three Mets this year. So I'm thinking, and I could ask him when. Inevitably, I think Conforto will walk. So when that happens, will Nimmo be the everyday right fielder at City Field? And then the Mets go. I, see, listen, I, I don't want to go down this route because I, I hate playing fantasy GM, especially on August 27th. We are going to have an entire off season of the Mets to start talking about things like that. You know, who's the new? I got some tweets. Who's going to be the new manager? I would like. Listen, you can make me a laundry list of whoever you want, but we're not going to know. Who's going to be in or out from the other teams just yet? So it's just it's it's futile to try to give some names right now. Although Theo Epstein would be the name that would uh, really entice Mets fans, I think. Let's go to Rob in Babylon. You're up on the fan. 
Danielle, good evening. Uh, good morning, actually. <laughs> I know um, I've been on you know, a couple I, different time slots. It's good morning for this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Danielle, I, I'm going to say, um, first thing, um, the, the best thing that I've received from, like, a, um, you know, a, a baseball game, I mm-hmm. believe it was the Louisville Slugger's little baseball, I mean, I mean, uh, bat. Bat, Danielle. Yeah, yeah, along with the, um, with the uh, bat, with the, the helmet, or, or with the, yeah, with the, with the headgear. Um, and then I'm going to say this. You know, last time when the Yankees, well, you know, a few months back when the Yankees were, you know, pretty much, you know, in the, you know, in the dirt or whatever you want to call it, you know, it was a lot of people criticizing everything, you know, every move that they made, man. We had every player, you know, pretty much on the trade block, you know, including you know, um, judge, you know, and, and it's, and it's sad because I continue to mention that sometimes people allow other people's opinion become their reality when, you know, you have fans and, and the media like kind of crucifying these guys, man. And they're not realizing that when you make a transition, like when you change, you know, from one organization to the next, first of all, you got to get, you know, you got to get acquainted with the people that you're getting ready to play with. You right. know, along with, you know, along with the COVID and all it, and, and it's just, it's just sad that you know we don't give these guys, well, you know, the credit that they need and the encouragement that they need. Rob, let me you let know, me kind of like let me pause you right there. Let me finish, but I will I will yeah, tell you that I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm What's that? No, I'm just no I, I, was gonna say, I was probably one of the only people that when I said, okay, Francisco Lindor, he's he's a slow starter. Also, he's yeah. in a brand new city. I said this. Right. He, he's playing on a brand new team, and so most precious city, mind you, Danielle. Like we're not, you know, this this city's not like any other city exactly, in the right. world. Well, you know, you know, and so and the stage is big. You know, the platform is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just a lot of pressure when you got, you know, you know, Glaber You know, some of these guys can get in those organizations. I, I could say like Altuve or one of them guys. You know, you know the, the LeBron James. You know, these guys can get in there and excel. You know, to a degree where because they are so naturally inclined with the thing that they're doing. But then you got these other guys, man, that they, that, you know, that they, they, they pay attention more to performing, you know, the job and doing their, you know, due diligence, due diligence for, you know, the fans and the, you know, and the media than they do for themselves. And it, and it's hard to. You know, to focus on your job at hand, and and I've and I've done that. You know, I've, I've, I'm 50, I'll be 52 in the next couple of weeks, and the thing is, is that like I know, you know, the pressure of being on a stage, and rather than kind of like kicking your own behind in your behind, I'm busy worried about how I'm going to perform for the people that are watching, and that's just not the way that you you gotta have fun. You gotta have fun, and then you know what, Danielle? I used to, if I did something that was like a like a cuckoo, I, I would I would I would laugh about it. You know, I say, did you see me looking like a jerk? Well, you know, Rob, and, and, but you gotta I laugh Rob, about Rob, it. That, I know that's you know. like a that's like a mechanism. I, I learned that at coaching that some kind sometimes kids laugh when they make mistakes, and that's just a coping mechanism. But as you were talking, I, I thought of uh, I also like Big Sean as a rapper, and he and he has a song called Deep Reverence, which I love, and there's two there's two lyrics in here. It's like two lines, and it says, and I got pressure on me, 
seven days a week. It's game seven on me. That's how it is if you're here in New York. And as I was saying, I was one of the only people that gave Francisco Lindor the benefit of the doubt for all those reasons, which, which I told you. And I'm going to add this one on. It's because he, and I said it at the time too, not only was he going through all those changes, he was switching leagues. So he was seeing pitchers literally for the first time, many of them, because he went from the AL team to the NL team. Add in that ridiculous, exorbitant contract, however you say that word. I get it. I understand all that. But the bottom line is this. You're a New Yorker on a team that's maybe, potentially, expected to make the playoffs after you were in first place for 86 days. You need to come through and deliver. New Yorkers, as everybody knows, are about the bottom line. And Francisco Lindor has not delivered this season. Not yet, anyway. So here's what we're going to do. How about a little over-under? Well, over-under for Jets, Giants, Yankees, Mets. I'll tell you the number. You tell me if you're taking the over or the under. And I'm going to throw up some polls on uh, on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. You give me a vote there, too. I'll do separate polls for each of the teams. Okay? So 877-337-6666 is the number. I'm here with you till 6 a.m. The Boomer and Geo Show comes your way at that point. It's 16 days until Jets opening kickoff. Talk about them on the fan, 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. Town Fair Tire became New England's number one discount tire dealer by giving you the absolute lowest prices guaranteed. And with over 100 stores from Connecticut to Maine, we'll beat anybody's price. Other dealers, we beat them. Warehouse clubs, we beat them. Online sites, we beat them all every day. So remember, for the absolute guaranteed lowest price on name brand tires, nobody beats Town Fair Tire. Nobody. Pretend you're getting ready to move. Okay. What are you going to do first? Go through the whole house, door by door, room by room. Why? To decide what to take with me and what to leave behind. Why did you leave something behind? Because I don't need it. I don't want it, and I don't use it anymore. Oh, I see what you're doing. The best way to unburden yourself and your home is to call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. We make junk disappear. All you have to do is point. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Or visit 1-800-GOT-JUNK.com. If you've been meaning to get your house painted all summer and think you've missed your chance, relax. You're just in time to go with the pros at Serta Pro Painters. They'll handle every detail worry-free. Your home will be prepped, primed, and painted long before the holidays and your Aunt Mary arrives to marvel at your home's fresh new look. Get a free estimate from your local Serta Pro Painters today and get your painting project started at SertaPro.com. That's Serta with a C. Each Serta Pro Painters business is independently owned and operated. Do you need a new car but have bad credit? Hudson Hyundai can help. Call Hudson Hyundai, 800-951-4221. Tier 1 customers can drive a new Hyundai with just $68 down. Over 500 vehicles in stock. 800-951-4221. Like a Hyundai Tucson, only $68 down. The Hyundai Santa Fe, $68 down. Even a Hyundai Kona, $68 down. Don't get tricked into paying more. Hudson Hyundai has plenty of inventory and discounts. 800-951-4221. Over 500 vehicles in stock. Call 800-951-4221. All new Hyundais come with Hyundai Assurance and America's best 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Drive with just $68 down. Hudson Hyundai has the inventory. Over 500 vehicles in stock. Call now. 800-951-4221. That's 800-951-4221. Or HudsonHyundai.com. 
Payments will vary. Credit severity affects approval terms. See dealer for details. When it comes to beard, hair, and face care grooming products, Stotch Porter is the real deal. Helping men with the grooming issues they face daily. As summer comes to an end, Stotch Porter has you covered with 30% off site-wide on beard, hair, and face care essentials to get you office and camera ready. Seriously, who doesn't want a soft, thick, growing beard? Head over to ScotchPorter.com to save 30% on your Scotch Porter grooming essentials today. No code needed. Excludes accessories. Head over to scotchporter.com to stock up for the fall. Your beard will thank you later. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Siri, play WFAN. Welcome back to the party in the morning here on the fan. Got an eclectic taste of music here. We've got Bon Jovi tonight. Got Luke Combs tonight. We've got a whole bunch of stuff going. And it's Friday. That's right. It's Brantley Gilbert, right? No, this is uh, Justin Moore. Oh, Justin Moore. Okay. I'm good. Why we drink? Because we got the Mets, we got the Giants coming up, we got the Jets. You know, that's why we drink. That's why we drink. <laughs> okay, quick over under. If you guys want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. I did put up just four polls during that break. Um, and the mouse on my computer just stopped working. This is a brand new computer, so I'm just going to have to hit restart on that while I talk to you guys. Um... So over under really quickly, Giants, and this is not like gambling thing. This is more of like a team outlook sort of thing. Like how do you think the team is going to fare against the schedule? This is more that than anything. But um, I used the totals predicted by 538, the website I, I've been referencing all night. So Giants at seven and a half wins, seven and a half wins for the New York Giants. I am taking the over. I know. That sounds crazy. Believe me. But when you look at the strength of the Giants' schedule, and it's based on the number of wins from last season, like their opponents' records last season, the Giants have the eighth easiest schedule in the league. And think about the division itself. The QB1 in Washington is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, they're in one of the weakest divisions in the league. The QB1 in Philadelphia is Jalen Hurts. After all the drama last season with the playing time, Carson Wentz, I think Hurts is a bust. And maybe the Eagles are with me, too, because deep down, maybe they are because they've got Joe Flacco as their backup quarterback, who I know is not taking – he doesn't want to take snaps as a backup. Let's just put it that way. Because he said in March, my job is to prove to these guys that I deserve some respect and I can play this game at a high level. And the Cowboys on paper, I think, on paper, are the best team in the division, but – They've got a quarterback that's coming back from a grueling injury. Is he on a pitch count? He, ankle injury, shoulder injury. We'll see what he looks like. And then you guys know how how the Cowboys fizzle out down the stretch. You guys all know that. And then the other teams the Giants play, Saints, Big W, Raiders, W, Carolina, W. So Giants, 7.5, I'm taking the over. Jets, 538, has them at 5.5 wins. I'm going with the over on that, too, just barely on the over on that one. Did you see the way Mac Jones carved up the Giants' starting defense the other day? I mean, Jets fans might be worried to know that. Giants fans, too, but lucky for the Giants, they don't see Mac Jones at all in the regular season, let alone twice like the Jets. So, again, looking at the strength of schedule, Jets are middle of the pack. I'm going with the over, and I'm also thinking about 
the Panthers, the Bengals, they'll take one from the Dolphins, the Jets will. The Broncos, Saints, I don't think the Saints are going to be that good. Uh, Jaguars, six. I'd say six. And just in case you missed it, Mac Jones against the Giants' A-team defense completed 88% of his passes. And quickly, Yankees, 538 has him at a 94.5 wins. I'm taking the over on that, too. Basically, they would have to play just over 500 ball the rest of the way. And nine of those games remaining, so like nine, 20, like a quarter of the games remaining are against the Orioles and the Rangers. Over on the Yankees. And the Mets are at 78.5 wins. They're going to have to win 18 of their 34 remaining games to get there. I'm taking the under on the Mets wins. I'm going to start taking your call for now. 877-337-6666. E. Frank in Astoria. You're up next on the fan. Yeah. Uh, good morning, Danielle. I I basically want to give my shout-out and my farewell to the uh, the very good and improved New York Jets uh, because uh, I think that this is uh, the first that they have a kind of winning type of uh, preseason. Mm-hmm. And this preseason, they're proving their statistical uh, rundown as being uh, more effective and more uh, alluvative uh, uh, or more finesse than well, the, the, Jets, the, the Jets are undefeated in the preseason. No, but <laughs> I know, I know. They, they, I many know. preseasons they they prove themselves as uh, misfits. They've lost uh, all four. They've lost. Uh, they've only won half of them. But the, well, this season they seem to be concentrated on being focused on having a very good season. Listen, even and I just want to ask you, what do you think if uh, they go three and zero with the Philadelphia Eagles? What would be the uh, the onslaught for the rest of the season? I usually believe that when a team does well in the preseason, they probably are going to do well in the, in the rest of the entire uh, NFL season. So, what do you see this? Jets team as doing if they win the Philadelphia game, what would they they be like uh, for the rest of the season? Yeah, E. Frank, good question, and, and and I don't listen. The preseason now more than ever is about evaluating players. So with that said, I mean, I saw the list of quarterbacks that have not yet seen the field. Daniel Jones being one of them, Aaron Rodgers being another one of them so far. So. You can't evaluate a team based on how they perform in the preseason in terms of wins, losses, statistical analysis, this and that. I just told you Mac Jones completed 88% of his passes. Were they, you know, shovel passes? Because I can complete 80% of my shovel passes too. I don't know. I'm not there at practice. Like So these statistics you have to take with a grain of salt. And I don't really believe that there's a correlation between the Jets even going 3-0 and in a preseason versus how they're going to play in a game. However... Like I just was saying, six wins for the Jets I think is attainable, and I think that is, I think that would be good for them. You can look at it from an evaluation standpoint of a player personnel standpoint, though. Listen, I, I'm the first to admit that I did not want the Jets to go out and get Zach Wilson. I wanted them to stick with Sam Darnold one more year. But of the quarterbacks that were then available to be drafted, I'm glad it was Zach Wilson. He looks good. Footwork looks good, the way he rolls out, the way he reads things, the way he studies, the what he says about having to learn not just from the mistake plays in practice, but also the good plays in practice. 
that's a winning mindset. So it's exciting to be a Jet fan if, if you're a Jet fan right now. I think so. Let's go to Pat in the Bronx. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, I'm getting very depressed about the Mets now. It's very difficult to watch them, and I, I, I feel obligated to watch them because I'm a Mets fan my mm-hmm. whole life, and it's just so hard to watch. You know, and if you go to a game now these days, you know, in the old days you could go to a game and talk with someone about the game. But now between every half inning, they're blaring some kind of music. Some kid is hitting a ball off a tee. Another kid is running to third base. They're having a kiss can. They have people run around. This, the game doesn't breathe for a second. It's like going to the circus, for goodness sake. <laughs> well, I mean, the Mets are a bit of a circus attraction, Matt. Uh, Pat, I'm sorry. Thanks for that. I just combined Mets and Pat in one. That's what, why I said Matt. But um, the Mets are a little bit of a circus attraction. But welcome to the 21st century of kids and and everybody's attention spans that have markedly decreased. I mean, that's my day job to know that. Like, Basically, they tell you now that a person's like – like a kid, an adolescent kid in school, you know, their attention span is their age. That's what they teach you. So if you're trying to get a lesson in to a bunch of seven-year-olds, that lesson better be seven minutes or under. So seriously, that's that Kevin's laughing. That's true. That's that's what they teach you. Even as a 25-year-old, I mean, that's seven minutes See? or less. <laughs> exactly. And it's all compounded by the, the technology that we have at our disposal at any minute. So – I don't know. Maybe you can bring, you know, a pair of earbuds to the game and listen to it. And I don't know. I don't know how to help you on that. I, I'm, I'm all for giving suggestions, but I don't know. It's just the way it is. Kevin and Candon, you're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? Kevin, you're there. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I want to talk about the Mets because this is this is pathetic. I mean, I, I told Lori this the other day. They have to get rid of some guys. They really do. This, you cannot win with this squad. All right, who's at the top of your list of getting rid of some guys? All right, J.D. Davis. Yeah, he, he should have been gone at the trade deadline this time. Uh, I completely agree with you. Dom Smith, I hate to say that, man, but I just don't see a role for him. No, I Kevin, really don't. I have faith that the, that the NL is finally going to adopt the DH. I'm keeping Dom Smith. Uh, I, I, I hope so. I hope so. I'd rather keep Conforto. I just, you know, it's just hard. I, I mean, this whole team—they just—they're lacking the approach. That I mean, I just, Rojas, please. I'm just, I'm done with it, man. Just, just this team. I, I, I watch and I'm just—it's just not improving. There's nothing going with this team. A despondent it's, Mets I, fan. We've had a bunch of them tonight here, Kevin. It, it, you're, you're not alone in thinking this. Yeah. I mean, this is what I want to be calling about, you know, um, when you were last on, and I just was so tired this this week. This weekday thing is killing me. <laughs> but uh, you know, kind of looking forward to the weekends. But so, but yeah, that's pretty much it. The Mets is I don't know. I I, I kind of lost faith and. But, one of those, yeah. All right. The only thing I can tell you is that they have like 14 games coming up against teams that they are higher than in the standings. They, they don't win here. I mean, but how many times do you have to say that? If they don't win, here's the line in the sand. Here's the line of demarcation. We've said it. We've said it. We've said it. We've said it a hundred yeah. times. Mm-hmm. When is it going to happen? It's a good question. 
I mean, there, there has to there has to be changes though. I mean, oh, it starts at Rojas. Rojas is gone. Well, all please, these please. I've, I've been saying this since the guy got hired. I, you know this because I told you this yeah. before. I, I, he's gotten good. He, I mean, if you have no idea, I mean, they, like for example, Syndergaard, like they told him that he won't be throwing a slider. And, and Rojas, said, oh, I didn't know that until they. I did not know this crap, man. Like, what, what, what are you living on the rock that you don't know stuff? Give me a break. Really, I'm just ah oh, man. And he's morning, but I'm just, this, this, this guy is, like, senile. Come on, man. Senile. I don't know if he's, Kevin, thanks for calling. I don't know if he's old enough to be senile, but the one thing I will say is this. In defense of Rojas in the beginning, the guy was hired with, like, 20 days until pitchers and catchers uh, reported. We chronicled that here. The Carlos Beltran drama. The Astros drama. Okay, so in that one year, he was, who else are you going to find with 20 days left to go? You're going to get nobody. So they promoted from within, which I love that when that happens. But they had an out. They had an out for this upcoming season. However, I believe that they did not take that out because there was so much turnover within the organization. Um, I don't know, the ownership changing hands. That they and, and GM, everything, everything changed. And I think that the Mets were going for the continuity factor. By keeping the manager, that's that's a familiarity thing for the players in the clubhouse, most of which returned from last year to this year. And it backfired on them. You know, it backfired on them in a big way. Maybe Luis Rojas isn't ready to manage a team. I, I think that's a fair assessment at this point. But he stepped in with 20 days to go. And I think the organization just didn't want to make a big change. So, another year or two wasted of DeGrom's prime, and they'll be with a new manager next year. And I'm not trying to get into who or what or when or anything like that, because it's it's August 27th. And uh, put the over-under, since we're talking about the Mets, uh, over-under Mets, 78.5 wins, meaning they would have to go, like, play over 500 ball for the next, you know, through the end of the season. 91% 91, 91% of you guys are taking the under on that. And then one of the other quick polls that I put up earlier in the night, which is more impactful of the Yankees' miraculous turnaround? Stanton playing the outfield, quote-unquote hustle guys, or Rizzo and Gallo? The final results are in. I'll fill you in coming up after a Marco Belletti update. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan. If you're just waking up, turning on the show, welcome. So you guys have been hanging in all night long. Thank you. Came on the air around 12 or 2.20 this morning following a thrilling, somewhat agitating Yankees win. Yankees are 12 in a row for the first time since the year 1961. Forget about me. My parents were just barely born at that point. This is, again, like it was last time. I came on the air and talked about the 11-game win streak. This is the longest Yankee win streak that I've seen in my lifetime, and it's an exciting time if you're a Yankee fan. But the way that they got there, well, they only had a 52% chance to win that game Thursday night, which is crazy to think because the, the A's are on a total slide. 
having lost, coming into play eight of their last ten, entered on a four-game losing streak. So I made some observations, Yankees fans. I made four observations of the game. Tyone was great until he wasn't. What I mean by that, it was pitch efficient to the max. 17 pitches to get through the first and second inning combined. Then to get through the third and the fourth, there's that number again, 61 pitches. And Susan Waldman nailed it. She called it before it happened. She said, and I'm backing out of my driveway, I have to listening to the game, you know. She said, John, he's losing it. He doesn't look as sharp as he did. That inning, the bottom of the fourth, the A's batted around and they scored three runs. And Tyone gave you good news after the game. He said, I think the theme of the night is I still have to be better with two strikes. That's something I'm going to be watching next time around. And he said he doesn't think he needs to reinvent himself with a bullpen session, just that it was just one of those nights. Okay. You can have one of those nights when you have a, a, a lineup like the Yankees do. The Yankees packed the ammo. Stanton, Gardner, Gallo all went yard by the second inning, that is. <laughs> and then that 6 nothing score. Well, it held up as good as an ice cube on a 100-degree day. Not long. In other words, not long. I mean, that game looked like it was going to be over. 6 nothing. The game's over. Then all of a sudden, it's 6-6 six, six, headed to the ninth. Wow. The Yankees won the game, obviously. And it speaks to the resiliency of this team. I mean, you saw Aaron Boone lose his mind after that pitch for, for uh, to Joey Gallo was called strike there. It was a ball. Definitely a ball. And right after that, the resiliency of this team, Giancarlo Stanton unloads a 436-foot monster home run. Straight away center field, 436 feet. Absolutely unloads. I mean, the swagger of the bat flip, the whole thing. And then there was a point, though, where you're looking at this team and you're like, uh-oh, this might revert back to the Yankees of old. And there was a potential turning point. I'm, I'm watching this. Gio Urshela comes to the plate, seventh inning, bases loaded, ready to be the hero, and grounds out to third base. And in my notes, I wrote down, Romo is pumped. So is the crowd. The A's might come out with a big inning with all the momentum right now. That's what I was looking for coming into the eighth. Jonathan the Wise guy waved the, the, the finger wag. Not really. You know, theoretically waved the finger at them, and he was like, not today. Jonathan the Wise guy has been excellent for the Yankees. Shut the A's down in the seventh, the eighth. And then the ninth inning. Aroldis Chapman in the bottom of the ninth. The newest season of American Horror Story. Yes, stuff, things, nightmares are made of. Aroldis Chapman in the ninth inning. I wrote in my notes, buckle up. <laughs> oh, my God. They're warming him up, and I'm like, oh, God, are they really going to bring him in? Are they really going to bring him in? We've talked all week here. For two weeks, ever since I talked to Matt Blake in the dugout at Yankee Stadium about how Aroldis Chapman has lost confidence in his fastball. We've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. He uses it at a 65% clip, the four-seam fastball. In the past three games, not including Thursday night's game, he used it at a 51% clip. So you tell me that, that the confidence 
in the fastball has not been shaken. So, Yankee fans popped open the Tums, and here we go. Thursday night, I paid very close attention to Aroldis Chapman's pitch selection. Every single pitch except for one that he threw to Andrews, Kana, and Marte was a four-seam fastball except for one, except for the splitter that embarrassed Kana for the third strike three. Three fastballs to Andrews, last of which ended up in Brett Gardner's glove. Three fastballs to Kana, one to Marte, which was the infield single, and one to Olsen, which ultimately ended the game. Looking back, it, 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 was, it was the right call. It was the right call to put Chapman in there because you've heard Boone say it all year. If the Yankees are going to go where they're expected to go, they need him. And what better way to bring him along than in a really tight spot against a contending team? So, bravo. The Yankees are a crazy 23 games over 500. They've gained a half game on the Rays for first place in the East. They're only four back now. The Rays had an off day. I understand that. And they're continuing to bury the A's in the wild card standings. Talk about six feet of, of, of social distance. They're putting them six feet under. So, and the other thing, and the fourth and final thing I noticed, and it, the Yankees have finally figured out how to weaponize the stolen base. Finally. That was the single, I guess it's not really offensive, but the single offensive metric that I looked at that said, okay, this stat is much better now in the second half than it was in the first half. Stolen base was really one of the only ones, if not the only one. I looked at like 10. And so when you see Tyler Wade pinch run for Anthony Rizzo, you know what's up. Many throws to first base. Wade, he picked a good pitch to run on, took second base. Sean Murphy overthrew second base. And then uh, and they're just showing it right now on TV right now, the, the highlight. And Tyler Wade gets up, scrambles, and finds himself on third, not without it, even a throw. So I talked about, too, the role players on this team. I mean, the lineup is, is getting back to full strength here. Urshela, Torres will be back. So guys like Tyler Wade, his role is minimized as a result of it, clearly, logically. So Boone said, Wader coming in for that moment and being ready for that moment, and I'm paraphrasing here, will be huge, or was huge. So they've got the role player guys to, to buy in. And then there was a side of maturation, I think, too, with the Yankees hitters at that point, because with Wader on third, Instead of trying to launch a ball into the stratosphere, Aaron Judge, he stayed within himself, and he sawed off a 92-mile-an-hour cutter to shallow right field. And that was the difference in the game. So to me, that shows a microcosm of, of maturation of the hitter's approach at the plate. And then Gallo, Joey Gallo said the same thing on the postgame Thursday night that he told me two weeks ago. He said, Every game, we feel like we're going to win. Tyone, Echo, he was like, all that matters right now is winning. So this, I mean, this is a group with tunnel vision to the end, to the prize. And 
a question that came up on social media as I'm sitting here in the studio watching the game. Has this team peaked too soon? They're really hitting their stride. Have they peaked too soon? My answer to that is this. No, they haven't. Because I'd argue, conversely, that it's just coming together. You had Cole out for a while. He's back. You had Montgomery out for a while. He's back. Urshela is playing his first game Thursday night. Torres is on the mend. I mean, all of these guys coming in, the, the roster is, is finally almost whole. And it's just, I point to the way in which they're winning these games. I mean, I think the unsung hero of the night was Jonathan Wiseaga on Thursday night. No one wants to talk about that. But, I mean, the momentum was totally in favor of the A's. And he just comes in there and just shuts it down. Two innings in a row. It's like ice in the guy's veins. So I think he, you know, he was one of the main players of, of, of winning the game for the Yankees. But the other night, it's Gary Sanchez coming through with a seeing eye single through the shift. It's John Carlos Stanton launching a home run. I mean, it's just which whose night is it going to be? Is it going to be your night? Is Judge tonight? Uh, Odor? And I think that's like the opposing pitchers are playing like whack-a-mole with the Yankees hitters. Who's it going to be? And that's the mentality that they have. So I think the Yankees are on a roll. I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. Of course, the law of averages says they're going to lose, okay? Because the question I asked in the beginning facetiously was, are the Yankees ever going to lose again? Obviously, they are. And speaking of losing, I played a Heartbreak Hotel, Elvis, in the open. And uh, I think many Mets fans, if they're not already checked into Heartbreak Hotel, they will be soon. And then so lonely were the runners left on base in this Giants-Mets series. I mean, 25 runners left on base for a team that's trying to claw their way back in. That's unacceptable. Go back to Wednesday night. Bases loaded. Couldn't get it in. In, uh, What was it, the ninth inning that game? Lindor makes the last out. Thursday night. Load the bases in the eighth inning. Jeff McNeil ended that inning. I mean, it's just... I don't know, man. The Giants really did everything in the past two games to to give the game away to the Mets, and they couldn't even go out and grab it. The mental mistakes are astonishing for a team trying to make a run. Alonzo and uh, Carrasco are playing patty cakes, so who's going to try to cover the bag? Javi Baez the other night, Wednesday night, he, he doesn't even know how many outs there are. He's hustling around the bases, and oops, it's not two outs, and he gets he gets you know doubled up. You can't be having these mental lapses on a team that's trying to make a run at the postseason. And then that game played true to script. I mean, the two runs that Carrasco gave up, his his ERA is close to 14 in the first inning. And lo and behold, Chris Bryant hits a home run. Since becoming a Giant, he has six, four of which are against the Mets. The Giants are now 59-13 and 13 when scoring first. Yep, that happened too. And the Mets left nine runners on base, four of which when there were two outs. And they were one for five with runners in scoring position. Yep. Check that, too. So, Syndergaard had a promising inning with the Brooklyn Cyclones. I think he could be a dominant closer in the game of baseball. I think the money is kind of the same or or similar. I think he might be open to that. Because no pitcher wants to go into middle relief innings. That is like, the money is not there. But I think Syndergaard might have something. 
as a closer. And I'd like to see that before the season ends. Once the Mets are statistically eliminated, it's inevitable, right? And maybe this is the unpopular opinion, but whether or not the Mets are still in it when Jacob deGrom is set to come back, I want to see that guy on on the bump until through the end of the season for two reasons. One, and we'll take your calls after this, 877-337-6666. One, I think the last game he pitched was July 7th. You don't want a guy who showing up to, you know, pitchers and catchers in, in February not having pitched since July 7th in a real game. And two, if there is something actually, you know, physically wrong with his arm, if you're the Mets, you want to find out, like, now, rather than him rolling up to pitchers and catchers or even, you know, in the first spring training game and finding it then. You don't want that. Put him in. Let the guy pitch. 877-337-6666. And Emma Carton with you until 6 a.m. in the morning here on the fan in New York City. Good morning. Welcome in. And I put up a poll earlier at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Which, and the results are in, which is the more impactful um, thing? I was always told in, in school never to say thing, but which is more impactful of the Yankees' miraculous turnaround? A, Stanton playing the outfield. B, in quotes I put the hustle guys, meaning um, Allen and Velasquez and Wade. Or C, Rizzo and Gallo. Now, I had Chris Sheeran on uh, around 2.40 this morning. He said all of the above. That is not a choice here. If you had to pick one, what would it be? My vote is Stanton playing the outfield because it it just opens up the, the lineup. I mean, you can rotate guys at the DH position at this point in time. You can, therefore, keep guys a little bit healthier as, you know, the stretch of the season. I mean, it's a, it's a grueling stretch. And having him out of that DH spot every single day, moving him around a little bit, not that he's, like, locked into that spot, preserves the health of all the other guys on the team. Not to mention that he's playing better while he's playing in the field. So go figure. But actually, on the poll, you guys all 50 – I'm going to round it. So 51% of you guys voted that the acquisition of Rizzo – and Gallo via trade are the is the most impactful thing of this Yankees miraculous turnaround at the trade deadline. Okay. I can see that because now you actually have a lineup that you can go left, right, left, right, left, right, and opposing pitchers can't get into a group. I get it. I can see that. But the real answer is all of them. Let's go to Tom in Smithtown. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing today? Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for making it. <laughs> Thanks. I uh, just wanted to talk uh, about the Met manager, Luis Rojas. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, some of his, his in-game decisions uh, I find to be a little nutty. All right. Tell um, me one. Can be specific now. Uh, well, take it out, Taiwan Walker. Yes. Okay. Um, and then, and then the one a couple of weeks ago against the Phillies, they had uh, they said bases loaded and nobody out, and uh, they told uh, uh, Strowman to just not swing because they were afraid he was going to hit it to a, a double play and, and 
which I think is kind of crazy because if he hits it to a double play, they'll still get a run. But I think they thought he would hit it to a double play where they would get that the force at home. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's other it's other things. But I'm not here to I'm not here to bash him because I, I got I want your thoughts on something. Even though some of his calls, like I said, are a little crazy. You know, there's been rumblings on the fan and other stations about, you know, if he's going to get fired or not. I, I don't know. And, again, I want your thoughts. Can you fire a guy who lost his first two starters, you know, DeGrom and Syndergaard? I mean, does he get a pass for that? What do you think? Um, Tom, that's a great perspective there um, because lost in a lot of this is the fact that he didn't have his number one, number two starters. Um. No, I, I don't think that's a, a saving grace for him. I think it's just, you know, unfortunate. You know, bleep happens, and you have to figure out a way to get around it. And the problem is it, it's it's compounding now because the, the, the Mets knew about Jacob deGrom's injury, and they had acting GM Zach Scott in the booth on, on the SNY broadcast that night. He admitted that he knew, and he used the, the phrase hours before. So unfortunately, and 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 to compound that, I'm just going to say that they didn't make a move for a starting pitcher at the deadline. Why not? So unfortunately, for Luis Rojas, yes, you're right. He is he lost his starting pitcher, top two of them, Degrom, Syndergaard, lost them both. Fine, but it's a package deal, unfortunately, and that was told to me. I was fired from a coaching position. Well, you know, you came in with him. It's a package deal. So, unfortunately for Rojas, he's a package deal. And he's made some questionable decisions. I mean, I would the pass I would give him is for that first season where he was kind of just thrust into the, the spot 20 days before pitchers and catchers reported. That season, I give the guy a pass. You know, navigating a COVID season, 60 games, the whole thing, right? Kept the team together, fine. But this season, there are some things that I just, like you, look at it. I'm like, man, what? He, he he looks lost. He just looks lost. And he's a nice guy and everything. He is. But nice guys don't win you championships. And it's just every time I look up the age of Jacob DeGrom, I'm like, ah, oh, they keep wasting this guy. They just keep wasting him away and away. So... I don't know. But I'll tell you this. We haven't really touched on the Jets, but the Jets play. It's Friday night. The Jets play. It's Friday morning. The Jets play Friday night. So there's a there's an overarching uh, concept that I want you guys just to have on your radar. And I know because it's on mine. Like Robert Sala, he, he addressed the team in the locker room right after that last preseason game. And he told the team that they need to be better on both sides of the ball, on third down. The quote was, this is Salah in the, in the locker room, we got to be great on third down to be great in this league. It's true. He's not wrong. So far, the Jets' offense has been abysmal at generating anything on third down. The Giants, they converted, I'm going to round up, 38% of the time, third down conversions. Packers, 39%, a 1% improvement. I mean, and, and the one game, when the Packer game, there was a 21-play drive that stalled. Robert Sala called it backbreaking. And then, then you look at the defense. So that definitely needs to be improved upon. And then you look at the defense. 
third down defense was great against the Giants. Excellent. They only let the Giants convert their third downs 20% of the time. 20%. And then the Packers, it was like, move the chains. 57% of the time, they allowed the Packers to convert on third down without Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. So I think I chalked that up to the missing Carl Lawson effect, actually, because that's a main difference between the first week of preseason and the second week of preseason. So when you look at how are they going to replace him, I think by the end of next week we'll have an answer via trade. I gave you some suggestions the other night. And remember, everybody, there is a rookie quarterback under center. This could be something that plagues this offense, especially in the early going. So keep an eye on the Jets' offense on third down later today, Friday, and the Jets' defense on third down. This may be something that a theme for this team, maybe the whole season, maybe just the beginning. And this might be your last chance to get aboard, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 6 a.m. when the Boomer and Geo Show comes your way. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on the fan. This is your final. I lied last time. This is your final chance to get aboard. 877-337-6666. Funny story about this song. This is Little John Shots. Like, everybody knows this song, right? I was in L.A. at the MTV Movie, uh, MTV Music Awards. And I just happened to be kind of just cutting through, like, the lobby of where they were having it. And Little John was there. And I took a shot with Little John. How wow. cool. The guy who sings this song. The shot song. Now you got to tell me what type of shot, though. It was... 12 years ago. I don't remember. Nah, 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 I, don't, I don't remember what it was, but it's pretty cool. There's a picture of it somewhere. I got to find it. Pretty cool. It was the song of the summer, you know, when we were 14 and, yeah. you know, right. we weren't taking shots, but, you know, we were fist bumping like a bunch of jackasses when Jersey Shore was the number one uh, hit on MTV. You know what? In my book, it still is. <laughs> All right. So I got a couple of tweets on that break. One from uh, at Gangreen. 780. He says, I see no reason to rush either guy back, meaning a Syndergaard or DeGrom, especially when the team is completely dead. And there was more to that, but that's where I'm going to stop because the team, although it feels like it, the Mets are not completely dead. They are not mathematically eliminated from playoff contention yet. So until that happens, you play to win the game. I mean, that, maybe that's just the competitor in me. I'm not laying down. Look, if the Mets are eight games back out of the second wild card spot, I think they're seven and a half games back out of the NL East. Uh, yeah, seven and a half games behind the the Braves. So, but they're not mathematically eliminated, and they have 14 games against the Washington Nationals and the Miami Marlins coming up. And the Yankees. The question for them is: Are they going to enter the postseason as the AL East champs or as a wild card team? As crazy as this sounds, I think they're winning the AL East. And Kevin from Camden, he said, Rojas is on the break. He tweeted me, Rojas is the Adam Gase of baseball. What a disgrace. He doesn't know how to manage. He's got to go. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, nobody is as bad as anything as Adam Guru was at coaching the Jets. Okay, back to your calls, 877 337 
6666, taking you right up to the Boomer and Geo show at 6 a.m. here on The Fan. Dave in Bensonhurst, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle, how you doing? Great, how are you? All right, um, I just want to start with the Jets, like you said, real quick, and yeah. everything you said, I agree 100%. Uh, to me, this whole I'm not worried about the defense. I have the injuries. Any any defense run by Sal is going to be fine going forward and in the future. I just to me, this whole season is about the progression from start to finish of Zach Wilson through yeah. the season. That's why I'm looking for six wins, and, and and that's basically it. That's it. Me too. Six wins is where I'm going to put the Jets at. Six. Now, now real quick with the Mets. Um, I, I feel like up until like last week, I was starting to like feel bad for Rojas and think he wasn't doing such a terrible job and his bullpen decisions weren't as bad as I was making them out to be at the time because, you know, stars weren't getting out of the fourth or the fifth inning, so he had to manage, you know, the innings with the with the bullpen, and sometimes mm-hmm. guys had to come in when you wouldn't normally think they would, and they were getting overworked. But now, how do you predetermine that, that to take Walker out in that situation? He said in his post-conference, they predetermined in that situation right. that Walker would come out. You're not managing at that point right. because you're taking all the feel out of the game, and, and you know, you you still need to use a gut decision every now and then. Mm-hmm. You can't just completely be analytical. It doesn't work. I know. And then, and, 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 and then he goes out, and t- t- Tywin Walker's not even looking into the dugout. He was, like, focusing on the next batter, yep. looks up, mm-hmm. sees Rojas on his way out, and he's like, he, he pulled the Garrett Cole treatment of uh, Aaron Boone. And guess what? Aaron Boone, who we crush every single time here about being, you know, so into the analytics and everything, he left Garrett Cole in that game to yep, finish it. Yep. And Rojas mm-hmm. yanks Walker? Come yep. on. You can't Why do that. Right, in a slightly different situation, obviously, last night. But he did let Carrasco finish the seventh inning, you know, with more pitches. I know it was a different situation. But, again, there was, the other night, Walker, he, it was an error and, and just a, a, you know, a crazy little pop-up that yeah. dropped in. He, he didn't do anything to deserve to be pulled out of that game. Yeah. No, and, and, and I just, agree. You responded to my tweet on the air about, uh, you know, the season not being over. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I, listen, I'm just going to say this. I know it's not over and I'm not mathematically eliminated, but it's over. And they're going to lose this series this weekend to the Nationals. They have no – if you look at them, I watch every game. They're lifeless. They're dejected. They're beaten before they take the field. You could see it in their body language on the field and in the dugout. It's terrible. Yes. I've never seen anything like this. You know, for me, what – really turned me on to that is when I, I mentioned it before when uh jd davis doesn't have an internal clock in his brain throws a ball to first base where the runner was within one stride yes pete alonzo muffs the muffs the incoming ball and jd uh-huh. davis uh, t- for all of the world to see on tv says what uh-huh. the f pete he got yeah he got pissed off right exactly i i, I just uh but but he got pissed off at at his teammate. You can't yeah, do that can't in front that. of people. A hundred percent. You would know. You 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 know. You were involved heavily in sports and coaching. You right. can't do that. If, anyone, if any one of my players did that, I would say, you know what? Get over Thank here. Them. Yep. And park, park your butt on the bench until you can, you know, carry yourself a little better. Something and especially like a guy like him, he keeps swinging at the same pitch in his neck. Yeah, I know. Huh. And, J- and JD Davis. He, I mean, it's not like I mean. He's not a superstar, he, you know what I mean? Right. So he and can't Pete's be doing this stuff. Guys, Pete's one of the only guys that's been consistent this year, too. Consistently bad. 
No, 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 no. Peter Alonzo. Oh, oh, I thought you meant. Yeah, yeah no, no. Forget Pete, about Davis. Yeah, right. Forget about Davis. So Pete Alonzo, uh, there was a the caller earlier that wanted to bash Brandon Nemo. I'm like, dude, do you know uh, that Brandon Nemo and Pete Alonzo are the two best yep. players on your team at the moment one, right now? One hundred percent. Those are the two guys probably that you would you would get to see on this team right now. Yeah. I mean, I know, amazing, man. I know Nimmo didn't come through tonight, but, I mean, he was still three for five on the night. You can't blame the oh. whole thing on him. Could, could we just, like, forget about this Jeff McNeil thing already? Just get rid of this guy. Don't even play him anymore. I mean, again, base is loaded. All right, there was two outs. Just a weak grounder. I mean, it's it's the same thing over and over. This guy's done. His mental his mental approach is, is killing him, too, now. Well, they keep Because he keeps trying to change his approach at the plate. They tell him now. Stick with one spatting stick. He keeps changing everything. Yeah, he, he does say that. He keeps changing it, you know, on, on a day-to-day. Um, and, and, Dave, thanks for the call. That's a good call there. Uh, but, okay, sure, put some blame on McNeil. But then again, you want to ship Lindor out here too because he popped up. Uh, I don't even think he made it out of the infield the other night with bases loaded. to, to That was to end the game, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I just, I don't know. And McNeil, in a way, I can't blame McNeil. I'll tell you why. Because it's pretty evident now, looking back, that Francisco Lindor and him don't get along. Pretty evident. That whole stupid story with the raccoon in the in the clubhouse, that's where it started. Whatever happened, you know, behind the scenes, because, there, again, there are no reporters allowed in the clubhouse for two straight seasons now, right? So that was never going to see the light of day. And then... You also can't blame McNeil because you got Lindor making, what was it, what did we look up before, $43 million this season, $44 million this season. And caller brought it up before. You got McNeil making, I'm going to round it, less than a million. You're looking over at him in a locker room. There's There's got to be some sort of animosity right there. Has to be. Built in. Like, I'm making $600,000 and you're making $44 million. Come on. Here's Amy Lawrence with an Odyssey Sports Minute. Welcome back to McCartney in the morning here on The Fan. It's been fun, you guys. We open with Bon Jovi. We'll close with Bon Jovi. Kevin Wall behind the glass. We are just two Jersey kids. (laughs) Um, It's funny how people would love to lament about the Mets. Rather than talk about the Yankees winning 12 straight since the year 1961. There's also a Jet game later today, too, by the way. And I think we have our uh, our last caller of the night aboard. Richie, Queens, you're up. Hey, Daniel. Nice to talk to you. You too. Thanks. Um, totally disagree with Mets. Um, I'm looking at the numbers, 38 games to go. If they go 25 and 13, it would be 500 because they're what? They're five under right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it would be really, really difficult for them to make this move at this point. They show no life. They don't have any consistency. There's nobody been other than Alonzo at times. They never had Nicarts. And with McNeil, I, I, I don't think anything has to do with the fact that he had that issue with Lindor. 
McNeil. You don't think there's any pressure. added pressure on on Jack McNeil to? No, I don't, I don't. I do. Meanwhile, I don't meanwhile, that. Francisco Lindor's got his buddy coming in to take his spot. Like you don't, you don't think that has any effect on a guy? Well, that might have that might have done in the last five or six, ten games or whatever. But but even before that, he was touted to be a three twenty line drive kind of hitter, and he's been he's been so weak. At the he plate. does look lost. You're correct about he that. Does. He does look lost. Yeah, and that, I, that, I just think. Yeah, Daniel, there's so many teams, like, I'm a big San Francisco Giants fan. I call Moose and Maggie all the time. And and, it, and 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 every team that's made a move has had one or two hitters that have carried the team, whether it's Duval and Freeman, whether it was Harper at the time and Rilamuto and the Giants with Posey and Crawford. And they haven't had any move like that. And missing the um is obviously a big issue for them. So, yeah, nothing is impossible. But the way they're playing, for them to turn it around, even against teams like Washington and the Marlins, mm-hmm. and the Marlins have always played really above 500 ball with them. Well, the Mets are this sho- season I'd alone, 333 winning percentage against the Marlins this season alone. So Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, so the, I, I don't know why we think that they to turn and to go and to go two and eleven on that thirteen game streak with them is it, it's just not and, right. and Lindor Lindor you know you you touched on him totally agree every chance and I know he's just back whether he was back whether he was playing before the injury he just never comes up with a big hit right. and um, right really tough to watch so yeah I I I don't see it I I think they've got a They've got a lot of players that are not everyday players. It looks like McNeil. McNeil might not be the everyday player. I don't think uh, J.D. Davis is an everyday player. Right. Uh, McCann has been a big, obviously not playing, but Nimmo, great leadoff guy, 400 on base. Mm-hmm. Alonso's done the job, though at times he has not come up in two outs the other day. And, you know, with the bases loaded, get a hit there, Pete. Yep. Changes everything. So. Yep. And, and, and um, Richie, too, you also pointed to two guys, too. You know, you got J.D. Davis who is he's a DH, let's just be honest. You got Dom Smith playing left field out of position. You got Jeff McNeil playing out in left field out of position. It's like Yeah. You know, that's that's part of it too. That is part of it, but there is no boppers, there's no threat. There's just not. They've got guys other than Alonzo, um you know, it's it's it, it, nobody really saw this coming. I, I kept touting and calling about when they were winning and they went first place, and, and Moose kept saying, you know, we're not going to be able. There's nobody in the in this in the, in the division yet can make a move. I disagreed with that. I, I touted Atlanta all the while. Well, the, and, um, and Atlanta was all in at the trade deadline too. They they got a brand new outfield at the trade deadline. You yeah, knew it right then and there. Wild. They picked up the wild. Yeah. Correct. And you know what's too, Daniel? When you've got a chance, when those teams were playing so bad, and you never picked up any ground. It's like you got a one nothing lead in the first inning and you right. don't add on to it. Mm-hmm. Somebody could catch you, and that's exactly what happened. That's but right. I don't think anybody saw the train wreck that, that's really happened with this team. Hey, it's really nice talking to you. Good yeah, luck Ricky, with your career. Likewise. Bye-bye. Thank you. Listen, I, I, I disagree. Jeff McNeil, there's a ton of pressure on that guy uh, internally and in his own mind, and that is probably why he can't deliver. And combine that with the fact that Physically, he's changing his batting stance. He's he's huffing and puffing. I can't watch that anymore. I can't send the guy to a sports psychologist. He needs to figure it out. But it is absolutely exacerbated by the fact that Francisco Lindor is there, and and just the presence in in the clubhouse. I I, I don't doubt that that's what's going on. And again, 
everybody with the Jacob deGrom thing. You know, let him pitch. All right, so I just wanted to say thank you to all the callers. I could not have done this without you. If you missed any portion of tonight, there's that Odyssey app. It's free. Download it. Rewind till it was like a 220-ish this morning after the Yankee game. And then Chris Sheeran had a live call, and that's a great thing about being on at this time slot, and the Yankees are on the West Coast. So he was a you – you know him, the host and field reporter for the Yes Network – Gave us a live call-in on his way back from the empty, desolate, dark Yankee Stadium. He was great. That was at 240. He coined a phrase. So if you guys see the word Mount Crushmore to describe Rizzo, Gallo, any of those guys, it came from him from this show. So I will see you guys at 2 a.m. Sunday morning in my normal spot. 